Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hardison. Joining me, as he always does, on this lovely Sunday night, my friend, the one, the only, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane, coming live from the fine folks over at MB Fantasy Life. Dwayne, happy week three. It's done. It's We're on the week four, but we're still in week three. You, you know how it goes. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. I've been making my way through all the data, getting ready for tonight. Uh, like, dude, there's a lot, <laughs> you know, and we say this every week, but like, there's a lot going on today. So yeah. I'm excited. It's also true every week. So no need to apologize about being, you know, a fan of the best damn sport in the entire world. So hope you guys enjoyed that, you know, Buckeyes thrashing over the Badgers on Saturday night. And now we can finally focus, you know, back on fantasy football now since I got that off my chest. So Dwayne, first off, let's start off with, you know, one of the best matchups of the afternoon. Bears took down the Texans 23 to 20 here. Houston covered as a three and a half point dog over smashed at 39 and a half. I look at the box scores, you know, throughout the game just to try to, it's, maybe I can come up with some funny, stupid shit to tweet. Maybe I just see something that doesn't seem right. Maybe I see why my fantasy teams don't have as many points as I would prefer them. But, Dwayne, pulling up this one, man, you just can't get past that the Bears ran for 281 yards. And guess what? Dave Montgomery didn't get many of them because, unfortunately, he suffered an ankle and knee injury early. And this one was listed as doubtful to return. We don't know the severity yet. But when you get a guy that gets injured in-game, they get the doubtful or ruled out in-game. You know, I tend to be a little more pessimistic with those situations. So, Dwayne, early chance for us to kind of get a hold on this Bears backfield and what exactly it is now behind Dave Montgomery. At least to start, man, it was quite the Khalil Herbert show ahead of Tristan Ebner. Yeah, for sure. Um, Like, looking at it, you know, Her- Herbert pretty much got all of it. Like, and we this is what we saw in the in the preseason. Now, Ebner did get out there a little bit, but even if you look at all of the like the long down and distance, the two minute offense, all that stuff went to Khalil Herbert. Um, he had sixty seven percent of the long down and distance on the day. Um, so obviously it's a little bit lower because Montgomery had some of that early, but he played one hundred percent of the two minute offense for the Bears as well. So he not he not only led the way in the rushing attempt department, which we expected, like like the one spot where we thought Tristan Ebner could create a potential challenge for him was really in the passing down and the on the passing downs. And that didn't come to fruition. So I think you probably have a guy that like what we had with Montgomery, you're probably gonna get 70% of the snaps with Khalil Herbert, um, you know, for any of the games that he misses. I know that Edwin Porras tweeted out earlier in the day, you know, he's a guy that we love on the pod. He tweeted out about um Montgomery's injury and just said, you know, it could be a high ankle sprain, but it could also be a PCL. And, you know, so those are, you're looking at, you know, two to four weeks probably. Um, and again, that was a very early assessment. We'll get more news, but it definitely doesn't seem like something where, you know, we're going to turn around and have David Montgomery back next week. That will put Khalil Herbert on the cover of most waiver wire, you know, week four articles. And for good reason. This is the exact type of running back that you sign off the waiver wire and he goes immediately into your RB2 slot. So if you already have Herbert on your roster, good for you. We won't be victory lap in those injuries, though. It's not well, cool. I do, I do know a certain FFPC team that's uh, ranked really, really highly right now <laughs> that happens to need a running back and has Khalil Herbert. You know, Thank maybe God. the Girl Scout saunter. I don't know. 
It has look, a little Herbert on it, man. Like that team's like 30th overall. And we don't even, we don't have a running back. Like we just have receivers like out the wazoo. Now we do. Now we do, Dwayne. All right. Do, for at least a week. With the rest of the Bears, really was a rough performance. You know, every time I saw them cutting over Justin Fields in the passing game over on red zone, things weren't going good. We did get Cole Komet first two receptions of the year. Darno Mooney got 23 whopping yards. But my goodness, Wayne, I, we got stay, we already were staying away from this whole passing game until further notice. Well, further notice has not been given just yet. I wanted to pull up uh, this stat I found pretty freaking well, crazy. Hey, at least Justin Fields got over 20 dropbacks this game. He got to 25. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah, because we took the five sacks. We, we couldn't get the 20 pass attempts yet. Dwayne. let's not no no we didn't hey I, one step at a time man one step <laughs> at a time so qb rating is a controversial stat when you talk about it in context of just the quarterback because obviously a lot more goes into a offenses passing touchdowns interceptions passing yards and just qb rating but if you look at qb rating as a stat that encompasses an entire passing game it's a little bit better right now the 31st team in qb rating is the cowboys at 71.3 and dead last at 50 Dwayne are the Chicago Bears. It's been that bad. Dead last in just completion rate. Highest average time to throw. Everything that could gone wrong has gone wrong with the Bears. To be fair, Justin Fields did get banged up and this one was in and out of the medical tent. Byron Pringle got it was out with a calf injury. Vilas Jones is out. Ryan Griffin's out. The few pieces that the Bears actually have tried to give Justin Fields that we usually mock throughout the offseason is like, how can you realistically expect anyone to make this work even those guys have been hurt so yeah Fields has been terrible so it's a situation but a win is a win is a win good for Bears fans now Dwayne the other side of the ball Davis Mills not a good performance by him and we couldn't even really get our guy Brandon Cooks going so a lot of disappointments here in this passing game in the run game though Damian Pierce now two weeks in a row just absolutely dominating the early down share I will never you know to my grave understand why he didn't dominate the early down snap share in week one but you know what it's in the past it's in the rearview mirror we don't have to worry about anymore Damian Pierce in this one 20 carries 80 yards and a touchdown continued to look good doing it what are your rest of season expectations for Damian Pierce now, Dwayne? Because unfortunately, we still can't really be expecting, you know, the full-time pass down role. But at the end of the day, 60-40 split with Rex Burkhead, things could be worse. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because it's an offense that we know is going to trail a lot. It's not a high-quality offense. Um, you know, so today he had 0% of the long down and distance work. He had 0% of the two-minute offense. That all still went to Rex Burkhead. But again, he's a young player. Um, you know, and sometimes we see after a bye week, like they start to take on more responsibility. I still won't be surprised if Damian Pierce starts to take on some of the passing down work as the season goes. If he can just pick up a little bit of it, Ian, like it would make us feel a lot better right now. It's hard to grade him as much more, you know, than like a low end RB2. You know, I mean, 80% of the rushing attempts gets you into the low, the low end RB2, you know, conversation, you know, even if you're on an offense, that's not that great. And he has shown he has explosive playmaking ability. So there's always a chance he breaks a long one for a touchdown. Um, it's just the fact of like when they get so far behind, like how much is that going to limit, you know, how much he's going to be on the field and, and especially in PPR and half PPR, like we would just love to like pick up, you know, some of those, you know, those just easy little, you know, um, receptions, you know, late in the game. Um, his target share was 7%, so not like t- not good, but he's getting targeted a little bit. Targets per route run, 22%. But in college, he was a good pass blocker. He was also a good receiver. So I'm still holding out hope that maybe after the Texans bye week, we start to see a little bit more of Damian Pierce in the passing game. If that happens, man, like even on this offense, like we're talking about a guy that could start working his way to the high-end RB2 conversation. Heck, we could be talking about him as an RB1. Like if he starts taking over passing network right now, low end RB2. 
Next up, we had the Titans take down the Raiders 24 to 22. This one got exciting at the end, as a lot of these games I feel like have been first three weeks of the year. Lovely start to the season. Tennessee, of course, covered as two point dogs. The over just barely cashed at 45 and a half. Derek Henry can catch the football, Dwayne. Five catches, 58 yards. He didn't have one reception going into this week, and they actually had Dontrell Hilliard back this week. So if he was ever going to catch passes, it should have been last Monday night against the Bills. But no, they were kind of being annoying with Hassan Haskins, even getting some of those pass down snaps, even before you know things got out of reach in the third quarter. So with Henry, Dwayne, again, we know that any single week that the Titans don't get their freaking doors blown off, Derek Henry's going to have a chance to get 20, even 30 rush attempts. And he did good work with those today. I mean, had a touchdown, could have honestly had a second touchdown. He got tackled at the one, and then Ryan Tannehill had to, you know, go do Ryan Tannehill things and take the uh, sneak for the score. But Henry looked better than he has, you know, in quite some time out there. Do you think we can honestly even come close to expecting these six targets again? Or was this this fluky, or did we actually see something in terms of Henry playing more in terms of two-minute and stuff like that? Well, we didn't see more any. We didn't see anything from a long down and distance or two minute offense. I, I hate to tell you, Ian, zero percent in both of those categories. Yeah. Um, so Dontrell Hilliard had eighty nine percent and one hundred percent. But um, some of the looks Derrick Henry was getting in the passing game were designed. You know, like the first one right out of the gate was a screen play that they set up to him on the back side of a play. So those are the things that are encouraging. If they will, if they're going to try to get him engaged in the passing game on first and second down then I think, yes, it could be sticky. That's the one way we have seen in the past where some of these guys that don't get, like we've seen it with Antonio Gibson uh, with Washington last year. His targets weren't great because he never could get long down a distance in two-minute offense, but they would design stuff for him on first and second down. So maybe it could it could end up being sticky. So it's like it wasn't just a check down. They were actually saying, okay, we don't have a lot here, you know, as far as our receiving core goes. Let's find a way to get Henry involved. So I think there's a chance like that it remains sticky but it's going to be hard, you know, but if you could just get two to three, Ian, that's all we need. If you could get two to three catches a game, like we would be so excited, like just avoiding the zeros. I think five is going to be a bit of a stretch. We don't need our, you know, eight Eckler catches in the last drive of the game. We're not expecting that for Derrick Henry, but you know, yeah, just a couple, maybe in earlier parts. I don't think Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb in the open field is that bad of an idea. Call me crazy, Dwayne. Now with the uh, passing game, again, one more shout out to Ryan Tannehill. He did get another rushing touchdown. And now the QB leaderboard for rushing touchdowns since 2019. First place, Josh Allen with 24. Second place, Kyler Murray, 21. Third place, not Lamar Jackson. It's Ryan Tannehill at 19. Lamar right there behind him with 18. Might have even caught up by one at this point. So, obviously, great stuff from Tannehill. He did get Robert Woods, you know, heavily involved in this one. Four catches, 85 yards, team high, nine targets. I thought this could maybe be the Traylon Burks breakout week, Dwayne. And to his credit, he almost scored. He had a nice catch on the goal line, took a hit, couldn't quite get in, but, you know, had that almost score before Derrick Henry got in there. Have we at least seen Traylon Burks' underlying routes get to the sort of level where we could put him in the flex and maybe not throw up as much as usual yeah yeah we have and in the first two weeks he led the team in target share so i think this is now you kind of got the two ingredients we just need to see them both come together now we need to see the targets per route run in a game where he's out here for 97 percent of the routes today let's go that was more than robert woods he was the wide receiver one on the field um and people will first remember this is why you don't go look at snaps folks for receivers because I've already seen some stuff on Twitter. Uh, 68% of the snaps for Traylon Burks. Who cares? 97% of the routes. When they're throwing the ball, they have Traylon Burks on the field. Um, so, yeah, I think this is a big deal for him. I think he's going to be the next rookie wide receiver. Like, they're all breaking out. Like, he, he's going to be right there along, you know, with the other guys. I think we're going to – I'll probably go ahead and just move. I had him in high-end wide receiver four territory. I'm With this utilization, I'm probably just going to go ahead and move him into wide receiver three range. 
Sounds like a prime buy low candidate for me if you can still get him. Again, coming off that one catch 13 yard gain. You, I, I mean, this isn't Justin Jefferson breaking out with 170 yards, but to Dwayne's point, I do agree that, you know, we already saw Dotson in week one, Garrett in week two, Alave in week three, week four might just belong to Traylon Burks. And all due respect to Drake London, he's kind of been balling out all season long, not trying to put that guy down by any stretch. Over on the Raider side of things, Josh Jacobs, my goodness, doesn't make the flight on Friday, comes back, makes the flight on Saturday, and then proceeds to have his usual role 65 percent of the snaps 13 carries five targets brandon bolden was there on pass down so no need to worry about samir white no need to worry about amir abdullah maybe next week maybe never we'll get back to that conversation the main point here with the raiders Dwayne, is that you know it's matt collins world and we're just living in it eight catches 158 yards and a touchdown through three weeks, the number one leading receiver on the Las Vegas Raiders is Matt Collins at 240. Devontae Adams is all the way down there at 189. Darren Waller at 151. I mean, I know Hunter Renfro is out, man. I know he's Matt Collins. I know it's a three-week sample size. But, like, this is just stupid, Dwayne. What the hell are we doing here with Matt Collins leading the Raiders in receiving? I don't even have, like, a take on it. It's just <laughs> stupid, man. Yeah, well, it, it it could be a problem because, you know, our what we were counting on was, okay, great. This is we Seth know- Roberts all over again. Derek Carr's always been doing this to us. <laughs> yeah, he has done this. You're right, Seth Roberts. I forgot. That was a good, that's a good pull. Um, but it, it could be an issue just because, you know, our thought process around this, this passing offense and why we were fine drafting all of these receivers was it would really be consolidated around three players. And they're running plenty of plenty of plays i mean they had 70 snaps today um 53 of those were passing plays so i mean they're they're throwing the ball plenty of course they're trailing a lot you know as well the raiders you know kind of had a rough start last week they got out ahead you know of the cardinals and then ended up losing at the end but they were pretty much behind the whole time in this game and so that definitely drove some of the passing but if matt collins is going to be involved and and look we don't think he's going to lead like but even if he's an active number four right as the fourth guy the thing we thought about is like man we can't even name the third receiver on the Raiders it's gonna all have to go to Devontae Adams Hunter Renfro and to you know uh Darren Waller um but if he's gonna be involved like this it kind of it creates we wanted the narrow target tree right and we may not have that I think we have to give Matt Collins a little bit of credit here most likely it will fade away but you know this guy that's played a long time, so to for him to break, I say a long time. This has got to be like year five or six for Matt Collins. You know, he's not. It's not like he's a second year player. So I'm still going to lean into this is eventually going to go away, but it could still be just enough to be a problem to where we can't get 25% target share to Devontae, 22% to Waller, and 21% to, to Renfro. Like it's hard to do that if Matt Collins is pulling down, you know, even 15, 18% target shares on a week to week basis. And fair play of the guy. I mean, again, 150 yards and a touchdown. Like, that's that's just fantastic. And he's been doing good before this. I mean, the Raiders beat was talking about how I think Demarcus Robinson was kind of brought in originally to be that guy. And Matt Collins just beat him out and took the job. Good for you, Mac. And, hey, if Renfro is going to stay out like Mac, no, we're not going to be ranking him inside the top 36 or anything. But he is someone now in that, you know, flex conversation where you don't have to feel as disgusted. You know, again, Dwayne, we always reference that uh, 14-team league where we got the three flex spots. I threw Mac in one of those flexes today, and I'm feeling fantastic about it because at some point you start looking at your roster and just guys that are out there all the time are better than the, you know. And he's just like, he's running routes. And then, you know, sometimes you run into a player that, you know, can get hot. And I think that's what we're dealing with with Matt Collins right now. 
few final notes from this game here. Darren Waller really could have had a bigger game. And by bigger, I yeah. mean like a- anything here. He had a potential touchdown go off his hands early. Devontae Adams was got going behind him. It seemed like they kind of ran a route in the same area and Adams seemed pissed about it. So I don't want to call that one a drop, but he definitely dropped one later where had the potential touchdown from the five, go straight through his hands and then got intercepted. So don't blame that one on Derek Carr. Also note that Keelan Cole dropped a touchdown late, but Matt Collins came right back and got it. So didn't really affect anyone other than, you know, the 0.01% of uh, Keelan Cole starting managers out there. All right. Colts took down the Chiefs 20 to 17, covering as a four and a half point dog under cash at 51 and a half. Taylor, Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman, they didn't even have that big of games. Michael Pittman got going late with eight catches for 72 yards. But behind Taylor, behind Pittman, do we give a shit about anyone in, uh, in Indy, Dwayne? On a, as a week to week starter, I know Hines is still a good handcuff. No, I don't think we do. Uh, um, and Paris Campbell, man, you know, he's out there, you know, he's getting the routes, you know, it's, it's the new, I love what, you know, some of the innovative things that people are coming up with on Twitter with some of these guys that just have high route participation, like MVS, but they don't ever do anything. He's out there getting his cardio steps in. That's really, that's all we're getting with Paris I think, Campbell I think right Rich now. Rebar has a name for these guys. That's awesome. He yeah, like, he does. He has he an does. official re- 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 award for it. Oh man. I There's can't remember a, either, but it's only it, a 6% target share to Campbell. Like my main takeaway here is I won't doubt it, Ian. So you, you saw for the third wide receiver spot, Alec Pierce was back. He was out the week before with a concussion, but Ashton Doolin played well enough. I think last week that kind of turned that third wide receiver role into a rotation. So you had Alec Pierce out there, 45%, Doolin 25%. But I really wouldn't be surprised at this point. If one of those guys I would just start projecting at some point is going to take over for Paris Campbell. Campbell's had enough of an opportunity at this point um, early in the season, being out there a lot and just hasn't been able to do anything. And, and they need something, man. You can't center like Michael Pittman can't be the whole offense. Like you need at least some complementary option and it can't just be the three headed tight end rotation. Yeah. It's nice that, you know, Woods comes out there, like looks even bigger than Mohali Cox, you know, catching touchdowns. Um, but I, I think Alec Pierce, Ashton Doolin are names. I would just keep an eye on. Because we've seen that the Colts just, they're not very good either. They're having to throw the ball more than what we saw last year. This is not a team that's playing with a lot of leading scripts. So if one of them can get on the field and Matt Ryan can kind of write the ship a little bit, maybe you could find value. But I don't think it's anything you need to be super proactive about. Unless you're in a really deep league and you see Pierce, you know, sitting out there on the wire. I know he got dropped a lot last week in FFPC. In those kind of leagues, I would make a proactive move. But in your typical leagues, we'll just kind of keep monitoring it. But yeah, right now it's just all Pittman, all Jonathan Taylor. Our boy Rue calling us out for giving up on watching the 49ers and Broncos game. We gave it a half, and yeah, we started early accordingly. So we'll still it's have on. the fun. It's on. Yeah, it's on. We'll, we'll still have the fun uh, PFF snaps and stuff uh, for that when we get to that at the end. But, you know, we, we give them 30 minutes to earn it. And if they don't, you know, that's on them. And I think we can all agree. After those first 30, uh, they did not earn it. Shout out to uh, Dan Arblowski, though, finally getting that monkey off his back with uh, Jimmy G <laughs> stepping up and uh, doing him a solid. So, yeah, final thoughts on the Colts. You know, hey, good, good for Matt Ryan. I've certainly been sending a lot of i think deserved you know cri- criticism his way after these first two weeks not of the year. good man no and he really wasn't in this one either still took five sacks had two fumbles lost one of them you know he did get the touchdowns to jelani woods but let's not act like you know 20 points is anything to write too much home about but you beat the chiefs and that's a big deal so good job by you matt ryan talking about those chiefs and Dwayne. this really was an anomaly offensive effort from them and i heard uh scott hansen at some point bringing up a red zone just like yeah not really seeing the same sort of patrick mahomes numbers out here today and we really didn't man just 262 yards and one touchdown on the afternoon mahomes has started 77 games including the playoffs since 2018 
This is just the seventh time that the team didn't score at least 20 points. So really it was an instance of them not being at their usual firepower. I think a big deal of that was the run game having absolutely nothing to get going. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, seven carries, zero yards, one touchdown. Uh, Jerome Bettis is somewhere smiling after that. So unfortunately, Dwayne, we have a Kansas City offense that was not good today, but we know they're going to have bigger and better days. Beyond Kelsey, though, I'm I'm with you on Claude Edwards-Hilaire. It's a three running back backfield. It continues to be a three running back backfield. And to this one, Jarek McKinnon even outsnapped uh, Claude Edwards-Hilaire. So it's going to be tough to have Clyde ever higher than like a low-end RB2 just because of his usage. And then at wide receiver, things are continuing to get jumbled. The only real sure thing at this point is Travis Kelsey. And it's just weird that it's week four. And I feel like, I mean, if I would have told myself like by week four back in like August, like would we have a pretty good idea of the next guy targeting this passing game? I would have thought we would, but here we are, Dwayne, and I don't really think we do. Yeah. Um, and, and the things with the homes, like this is really two weeks in a row. Like this was the this week was definitely worse, but I think they're they're missing Tyreek Hill. Like this this offense is not as explosive um as what it once was. Um, and they're trying to really just take what the defense is giving them. And I know they're all saying all the right things, but they really need someone else you know, to step up, you know, Sky Moore really st- struggled in special teams today. So I don't know how much of if that's going to put him further in the doghouse. I know last week we heard, oh, we're going to definitely get Sky Moore out there more. He was only out there for 9% of the routes, which is just not enough. So right now, I think if you have to pick it, it is Juju. Juju got a 26% target share today. So in two out of three games, he's been the, he's been right there with Kelsey as far as his target shares go. But Hasn't done a lot with them, right? Only 13.9 fantasy points isn't the worst thing ever, but Juju is not, he's not looking dominant or anything like that. So, and and all the rest of the guys just continue to rotate. Mikkel Hardman already talked about Sky Moore, Justin Watson. They're all just kind of rotating in and out. And running backs are all doing the same thing. Clyde Edwards Alaire is getting lucky, scoring touchdowns. Got another one for you, but really it's an RB3 profile. Only out there 40% of the snaps, only 37% of the routes, 0% of long down and distance, 0% of the two minute offense. Uh, only 30% of the short down a distance. So you still got Pacheco working in a little, but it's mainly the fact that you've got Jarek McKinnon out there. McKinnon saw 52% of the snaps today. He actually outsnapped Clyde Edward Delaire uh, and actually saw more rushing attempts and took all of the long down and distance and all of the two minute offense. So Delaire is, you know, he's coming through, but man, if you guys can trade him, trade high like they were keeping three guys involved. I don't think it's changing. I know there's some truthers out there. He's going to eventually get it. He's not. They're not doing it, man. And, it, you know, the, be- the best path for him is if something happened to McKinnon. Because if, if that happened, I believe he's the best remaining back on the team to take the passing downs, right? But if something happens to Pacheco and that, that pesky 10 to 15% that he gets every, gets every week, that's just going to go to Rojo. They're just going to bring Rojo in and you're going to still be dealing with three players. So this is also a Chiefs offense that just doesn't look as good, Ian. So Clyde Edwards-Alaire is a prime sell high. And it's funny, people on Twitter been, man, you can't sell him for anything. You guys go check, like, the Yahoo trade calculator. People are trading Clyde Edwards-Alaire, not the trade calculator, but it's just if you go look at look up his name, you can see all the trades that have gone down for Clyde Edwards-Alaire like in the last you know two days. Dude, people are getting good stuff for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So you may think that your league mates know all about utilization and stuff because you listen to it. A lot of people don't. All they see are the fantasy points. They just see Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Oh, man, another 15-point gain. He's an RB1. You can move Clyde Edwards-Alaire for probably more than what you think. Now, if you play in a super sharp league, great. You know that, and, and you know how to handle your league, but I would definitely be kicking the tires on trying to move him. With uh, let's say something does happen to Claude Versailles, he gets banged up. He's gotten banged up in each of his first two years in the league. I'm knocking on wood, but I feel like McKinnon would be the guy we probably actually want to have Agreed. here, Dwayne. He already He's has the, the one you want. Yep. 
he had seven carries in this one. Pacheco only had three, and we saw them turn over the entire offense over to McKinnon before. So might be a nice, uh, sneaky, just handcuff type option to have here in good amount of leagues. But yeah, with the uh, Juju, man, someone that I was obviously pretty adamant against throughout the offseason. But once we saw the first team snap rates and stuff in August and then into week one, like once it became clear that he was a full time guy, now he is second on the team, you know, in targets behind Kelsey. Like clearly, Juju is the number one receiver behind Kelsey. It's just a shame we can't r- r- really get him out of the wide receiver three range yet, Dwayne. I'm not saying we won't get there, but through three weeks, not yet. Still someone that was probably going to be closer to wide receiver 30 than wide receiver 20. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think that's that's where you need to have him. You know, he's we would the hope was he would be in the wide receiver two conversation already, and he's just not. Like he's a high end wide receiver three, still plays on a team that wants to throw the ball a lot, and you get to play with Mahomes. But Juju's just not. He's just not doing a whole lot. You know, really with his opportunity. His yards per route run were nice today, two point seven. He had the twenty six percent target share. But yeah, I'm with you. I'm keeping him in that same range for right now. Our boy ML is a CH truth or not. He brings up a reasonable point. He's just saying that CH did get five catches, seven over the first two weeks. Does that not provide a decent floor? Dwayne, I think we're fine with those receptions. And he's still going to get some touchdowns just by virtue of being a, you know, not maybe de- definitive lead back, but being a regular member of the Chiefs offense. The problem is that McKinnon's still the one getting the obvious pass for situations, right? Even if he didn't get the t- targets and catches in this one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, the thing, all I'm saying is Edwards out, he's out, he's over his skis. He's scoring more fantasy points. This is going to come back to earth. That's the only, but the point is sell high because what he's scoring is not sustainable and his role's not going to change. So eventually it's going to regress back. Like he's just not, if he doesn't score the touchdowns, you're not getting anything. I'm not saying to give the guy away. Like, fine, if, if, if you can't trade him, Keep, keep using him as your RB2. Like, there's way worse things to be doing as an RB2, but he really grades out as an RB3 who's scoring like an RB1. Anytime you get that kind of scenario, you have to let go. You can't be like, oh, my God, I love CEH. You just you have to actually be like, okay, I'm going to maximize this situation for everything I can, and I'm going to sell high. Like, that's just the best move to make. Over his skis? Is that, a, is that an expression yeah, like, that yeah, people like, use? Yeah, like, like when you get your head out over your skis, and then eventually you're going to fall, right? And you're going to tumble from- down the mountain. You live in Texas. What, yeah, what but I you... go skiing every year, man. Come on. This is love this snow is, skiing. This is wild to me. I went snowboarding one time, hit my head so damn hard on that ice, oh, I, I never won again. I've hit my heart really hard. I've hit my head really hard snowboarding as well. I snowboarded one time, um, and it was fun, but it was such a it was such a pain learning it. And I knew how to ski, and I was seeing all the skiers just fly by me, like doing like what like because I've just grown up skiing, and I was like, screw this, I'm just going back to skiing. I was on my first ever like, you know, ski lift going in my, I, I didn't do the bunny hills or anything. I'd snowboard my buddy and I, you know, splitting a joint, splitting a little thing of whiskey before, maybe not the best thing to do before my first time going down a mountain. Dwayne, I was going so damn fast down that mountain. I was like, I'm a natural. This is great. Let me slow down. How do I slow down? Things got messy after that, but enough snow <laughs> stories. Dolphins took down the bills 21, 19 and the opposite of a snowy environment. Guys are cramping up all over the place in this one. Dolphins covered obviously as a four and a half point dog under cash at 54 and a half. Dwayne, the Bills ran 90 plays. They had 497 (laughs) total yards. The Dolphins ran 39 plays. They had 212 total yards. And Tua Tagovailoa is 3-0. He's taking down Josh Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson in back-to-back weeks. The revenge tour is going to Cincinnati and Joe Burrow next. Shout out to Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins, man. Now, I think if they play the Bills 100 times, the Bills might win 80 of those. But, hey, man, win is a win is a win. And just the toughness that Tua had, 
I guess we can call it. I, I have no idea how he's allowed back in that game. Obviously, I thought he was obviously concussed. Seemingly, everyone thought he was concussed yes. the way he was stumbling back around. They said it was his back. There's no way. They are so full of it. It was not your back does not make you get up and all of a sudden lose your balance and go to fall down. And like he's shaking his head, like you know, it's 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 very obviously a concussion. So I understand, you know, Bills fans, they're they're always so great on Twitter, Dwayne, when you have something good to say about their squad. But God forbid you try to, you know, <laughs> say anything that could put them down and they get defensive in a hurry, which is great. I gotta love that loyalty. I think if you're having a problem anointing Tua as like a Josh Allen or a Justin Herbert level quarterback, that's fine. I don't blame you for having that. But at this point, we need to treat the Dolphins offense as that caliber because that's what they are. So whether or not you want to give Tua that credit, realize he's the quarterback in an offense that has been as efficient as those run by these quarterbacks that we're hoping for. At this point in the year, overall, number two in EPA per play. Passing, they're number two. Rushing, not as good, number 19. But guess what? They pass the ball a lot. And when they do, Tua is second yards per attempt at 9.2 seventh in the adjusted completion rate second in quarterback rating is he just digging and dunking and getting help nope his average target depth 8.4 yards the exact same as patrick mahomes actually 59.4 percent of his passing yards have come from like air yards so that's actually tied for seventh he's going more down the field than most quarterbacks throughout the league and generally being pretty successful doing it add it all up Dwayne, in the top two receivers in this offense jalen waddle and tyree kill just in that order for this stat, top two wide receivers, top two players in the NFL and yards per route run. Whether you believe in Tua or not, I mean, what, what the hell else are we supposed to do at this point? Because the offense is working at one of the most efficient rates in the league. And again, they were doing good out there. They just didn't have many plays to work with throughout the game. So overall impressions on, I guess, just this Dolphins offense again, Dwayne, because the counting numbers in this one, other than Waddle getting over 100, weren't big. We still do have the split backfield to worry about. But just, again, every single week, Waddle and Tyreek fire them up. And there's no reason to believe that Tua won't be able to keep up, again, even if it's more so in that stack for Cousins uh, kind of more low-end QB1 type of deal. I don't see him, you know, turning back into a pumpkin anytime soon. No, I don't either. And, you know, once the injury happened, it obviously just changed everything, you know, for the way this game was going to work out. 91 plays to 43. Like, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's a pretty big difference. You know, Tua missed three of those snaps. So it's it's a situation where I think the offense, you know, what we've seen so far is they've really been, you know, they they've been throwing the ball above expectation, right? Really across all situations, they've also had better pace than what we've seen from you know some of the historical offenses like that this that this offense is rooted in, you know, like the 49ers. And so I think there's still a lot of positives. It's kind of an interesting data point. Like I'm probably just going to kind of throw out like as far as you know we didn't see as many plays it was just weird the way the game worked out so yeah I like to uh I think you need to consider him as a high-end QB2 right there in that range you're talking about with Stafford Cousins Carr and he could eventually ascend over those guys right because he's just got I mean it's a loaded offense uh the only other note I have here on the Dolphins you know just quick update on the backfield we saw Raheem Mostert again lead the team in snaps at 56 percent Chase Edmonds at 44 percent um, route rate was also higher for Raheem Mostert at 56% and 40%. Rushing attempts really close, 44% for Mostert, 39% for Chase Edmonds. And the long down and distance and the short down and distance um, were both split between the guys. Now, Ed- Edmonds have to be the one that was on the field um, both times when that short down and distance work ended up being inside the five. So he scored the two touchdowns. But you really, I don't think you can use anyone from this backfield right now. Like the, the offensive line's not really doing a good job blocking for the run game. Um, and I think they're going to continue to lean into the passing games. I mean, he had eight carries for 11 yards today for Mostert, six for 21 for Chase Edmonds, but he got the two touchdowns. So you got lucky. 
And I do think uh, McDaniel has a more of a willingness than other coaches. Like Waddle had a rush attempt today. We've seen Tyreek already get a few. I think Cedric Wilson, even a time or two. Like we're going to, even if Tua's not that mobile, I think he's going to not find his own Debo or anything like that, but still just find creative ways to get the ball to other players. And I think he realizes that his running backs are not exactly the strength of this team at the moment. So yeah, when is a win is a win again for the Dolphins. Credit to them. I'm being 3-0. and I might just get, uh, you know, boots on the ground there in that uh, Cincinnati Thursday night game. I feel obligated to guys stand up uh, for the one and two Bengals against these guys coming into town on the other side of the ball though the buffalo bills again it, it was funny because we when we did our team preview series we talked about josh allen and we were like how could josh allen like actually bust as you know a fantasy quarterback like even if the bills are bad or something and you look at this game they scored 19 points 400 passing yards, two touchdowns, and oh yeah, we got another 47 rushing yards out there. So Josh Allen well on his way to racking up his third straight overall QB1 finish. As I said a few times, I'll put him in selective company. Only Brett Favre and Steve Young have had the three straight overall QB1 finishes in NFL history. So love Josh. Obviously, we love Stefan Diggs. What do you see from the rest of the passing offense, though, Dwayne? We know the Bills aren't huge about running it, but we did today have Devin Singletary and Isaiah McKenzie give us plenty of good production through the air. Do you think this was a one-week week of hey you guys are in the bills offense these things happen to players on the bills offense or can we actually trust singletary and mckenzie as more than just role players moving forward yeah so they use a lot of two-minute offense today and that's how you end up with the 91 snaps they ran 16 snaps in the two-minute offense that that's a really high number like normally seven or eight is a lot and so they doubled that you know and so the key for mckenzie today he was only out there for 55 percent of the routes even though he came through with 21.2 ppr points but 94 percent of the time they were in the two-minute offense he was out there and that's when he was scoring his fantasy points so you know we normally talk about the two-minute offense like with you know running backs and stuff but maybe it's something we take, need to pay a little bit more attention to with certain certain teams that we know are willing to use that two-minute offense quite a bit and buffalo certainly is one of those and so my original tweet i put out about mckenzie is you know, yeah, he, he scored really well today, but like, you know, you, it, I'm a little worried. You still had, you still had Jameson Crowder out there 49%. So, but, but to his credit, he was out there for the two minute offense. And then as far as like Dawson Knox, man, like it's just not happening. You know, the routes 58%. Now he was banged up this week, so they may have, but we've kind of been making yeah, excuses for it, it took him out of the game for a while with heat, heat exhaustion. Yeah, they had several guys miss, yeah. but at the same time, like we've basically been making excuses for Dawson Knox like every week now, you know, like it's something, it's always something. Oh, he got bent over the wrong way. Well, you know, the game just went, th he's just not demanding targets, man. I'm just starting to think Dawson Knox is one of those guys who's really good with the ball in his hands, but he's not really good at getting the ball to go into his hands because he's not open enough. Um, Gabriel Davis, kind of the same thing. Now he was limited all week with the with the ankle injury that kept him out last week. So maybe some of this is tied to that out there. Plenty, man, 96% of the routes, which is kind of what we expected with Gabe Davis. The problem is he's not earning targets either. Only 11% today. Um, and so, and, and to your point in a game where you had guys like Stefan Diggs was rotating out as well. And so you had times where Gabriel Davis was out there without Diggs competing for targets and he still couldn't really come up, you know, with much. So I'm just starting to think like Gabe Davis, just kind of is what he is. He's probably not going to be taking this big step forward and all of a sudden be a 25% target share guy. He can still survive. Like he only had 11% today, like at 15%, 18%, like we talked about in the off season, if the offense is running 91 freaking plays a game, like you're still probably the 74 of those were passing attempts. So 15% target share on 74 dropbacks, you know, can still be really freaking good um, for a guy like Gabriel Davis. So no need to panic. Just don't, don't have your hope, like set your reset your expectations. 
he's a wide receiver three. He's a boom bust wide receiver three. He's going to give you some wide receiver one weeks, and then he's going to poop his pants certain weeks like this. It's just not going to look real great for him in the box score. Um, but the biggest thing really is Devin Singletary, man. Like these other backs are just, they're not taking it away from him. We're honestly right now being objective. Like Devin Singletary is kind of getting the same utilization lines we were seeing at the end of last year. Now we've seen Zach Moss work in. We've seen, you know, James Cook work in, but this week, man, 74% of the snaps went to him. Um, 61% route participation, 65% is elite, right? 70% is elite. Like 60 is really good. Um, short down and distance, 86% of it. Long down and distance, 85%, and over half of the two-minute offense. So he's now staying on the field again, and passing downs had an 18% target share. So I don't know if this will stick, man. I don't know if it's just a certain thing with this game, but, like, if it does – that's kind of what you need in the Bills offense. You can't have a rotation of three guys because they throw so much and Josh Allen will still touchdowns. To be a viable option, you kind of need to like really be out there for all of it. And this week, Singletary was. Shout out to Ball Kane for reminding us the Bills actually only scored 17 points on offense. They got their two points from the butt punt. That was fantastic. Yeah. People actually like go out of their way to try to tell me I'm wrong about my anti-kicker and punter stance, Dwayne. And then like we watched that happen and, you know, they just won't learn, but that's okay. You guys did you hear Tyree Hill's quote on that? What did he say? He said the next time that happens to Sherfield, he'll catch it with his butt cheeks because his glutes are really strong. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Last few things in this one. I did, I did see that Josh Allen was getting x-rays after the game. Didn't seem to impact him in any way, but just something, you know, well, obviously, my God, I'm sure if Josh Allen, you know, gets a paper cut at practice, we'll get 90 million tweets about it. You guys <laughs> saw the Justin Herbert experience over the past few days, so we'll find out more about that soon. Hey. What's your thought, just real quick, like on the Singletary thing? Like, I, it's only one data point. Like, we haven't seen it be this strong, but oh, Zach Moss was only out there 18% and James Cook 11%. Um, but like, Singletary's a guy I've been shying away from. I have him on a few teams, just not willing to put him, put him in a lineup, but just wonder if you think this is something that sticks. I will say it helped that Moss and Cook played their best games of the year. Moss had this explosive like 43-yard run where he almost got actually loose. He barely stepped out of bounds. James Cook was out there too. I mean, actually caught four balls. Like Week one, we were like, when the hell, when the hell are we even going to see James Cook back out there on the field? So I think it worked out for Singletary. I, I don't think like Cook or Moss are falling out by the wayside, though. I think they're going to stay in this three-back committee. This was the higher-end performance that Devin Singletary can have as the lead back in Buffalo. I would assume that his snaps will be more so in the 60% range. Maybe they keep going up, though. Yeah, even 60% would be good. But, yeah. I mean, it would be okay. Like, the, the, when he's at the 70% mark in this offense, like, it's been really good for him. So, it's something we'll keep an eye on. Final notes here. Uh, Jake Kumaro suffered an ankle injury. Might have helped Gabe Davis get out there a little bit more, but maybe it's not being that huge part of an offense, as Dwayne alluded to. I saw Mackenzie, Knox, and Stefan Diggs specifically miss time with cramps and the heat stuff, and also mentioned the Hua Tua back injury. couple sheeshes in this one, though, because, yeah, again, like you would think that the Bills having this many freaking yards of offense and only 19 or 17 points, wherever the hell you guys want to roll with, yeah, some stuff went wrong there. So Gabriel Davis had a touchdown in his hands, was Coming down with it. Cornerback made a fantastic play, punching it out at the last second in the end zone. Would have been good from about 15 yards out. And Josh Allen, the throw he missed to Isaiah McKenzie on fourth down, if Tua missed that throw, that shit would have been being played like all over Twitter for the next freaking week, man. So I look, I, I saw what Josh Allen did the rest of the game. I saw what Josh Allen has done the rest of his like life. I, I get it. He's better than Tua. All right. Everyone that just needs to derive every single game we watch, like who's better in the grand scheme, like who's better if we have a fight to the death tomorrow. 
tomorrow with these two quarterbacks. So, but it was objectively a terrible miss from Josh Allen on fourth down to a wide open Isaiah McKenzie, and he skipped the ball in about five yards short. So that happened. And then also the Buffalo defense on the other side of things had an easy pick six. Tua did not see Matt Milano undercutting the slant. Milano just straight up dropped it. Could have been a pick six for Buffalo. It was not. And with that, we have the Dolphins win. Moving right along, the Minnesota Vikings took down everyone's favorite underdog, the Detroit Lions, 28 to 24. Detroit did cover as six and a half point dogs over cash at 51 and a half. Justin Jefferson, Dwayne, this one hurt. Three catches, 14 yards against the Lions. Come on. I know they're the Lions. They're better than they used to be. But in a game where Cousins throws for 260 and two tutties, like doesn't seem to have that much of a problem out there. I mean, my God, after seeing week one, what Jefferson did to Jair Alexander and company, I know Jair didn't shadow him in the game. But again, just what he did to that Packers defense seemed like, you know, just the start of what was going to be a weekly, just one amazing game after another back-to-back disappointing weeks. No, we're not going to bump Justin Jefferson outside the top five receivers. But do you have any, you know, I guess, newfound thoughts on the Kevin O'Connell Minnesota Vikings offense after having three weeks where two of them, let's face it, weren't nearly as good as week one for one Justin Jefferson? No, I I don't. I I think, you know, we're still early in the season. Um, You know, I I think you're going to see this offense continue to to evolve and they'll just get more comfortable. I mean, it's, it is what it is. Like if somebody's low, if somebody's disappointed in Justin Jefferson, like the only advice I can give you is just go try to get him. You know, I mean, there's no, he's still going to end up being one of the top three receivers, you know, in fantasy football. I mean, I think the positive today is you see Adam Thielen get a little more involved, 22% target share for him. TJ Osborne also saw a 22% target share today. He was out there for 79% of the routes. So he's basically running in the slot for the most part. Um, So yeah, I, it would be nice to see some of these other guys potentially provide some value as well. I don't think we have anything to worry about, you know, with Justin Jefferson, but it's nice to see Thielen and Osborne actually able. So Thielen had 18.1 PPR points today and and Osborne had 18.3. This was like anti last week where we had every single great running back busting all over the place. I mean, by halftime this week, Jamar Chase had negative points. Tyreek Hill was barely over one. Jefferson didn't do anything. Cooper Cup saved his day with a rushing touchdown. And even that for him was a relative disappointment, you know, in terms of what fantasy managers have been getting spoiled with. So, Don't sweat Justin Jefferson. Just wanted to get that out of the way because, yes, great job by Thielen getting back in the scoring column. Streak lives on, Dwayne. Adam Thielen has not gone three straight non-injury-induced regular season games without a touchdown since 2018. Re-racked the counter there and continue to fire him up as long as he's healthy in these sort of matchups. That's why we drafted Adam Thielen. These are the sort of matchups we should be starting him in. Uh, Dalvin Cook, unfortunately, did get injured. I saw dislocated shoulder. Shout out Dr. Edwin Porras, man. He said before the season that Dalvin, in his opinion, the shoulder issues were more actually problematic in anticipating a future injury than what, you know, guys like Christian McCaffrey and Eckler uh, have been going through. Not Eckler, uh, Christian McCaffrey. I think Derrick Henry was actually the other one he was bringing up. So without Dalvin, we did see Alexander Madison come in, get a short goal line score. And, you know, Dwayne, it was one of those things where throughout the offseason, we wondered with the new system if, you know, maybe Madison wouldn't have the same every down snap role that we've seen him have when Dalvin Cook missed time well in the best kind of samples we've had which is usually first team preseason snaps when the starting running back isn't playing Madison continued to take everything so past history you know in previous seasons tells us that he's gonna be the feature back this preseason tells us he's gonna be the feature back I think Madison is going to be the feature back problem is we did see last year Dalvin play through you know this injury at certain times he even went bonkers against the Steelers we weren't even sure if he was going to suit up before uh you know 15 minutes for the game so 
I feel like it's this, and I think this is kind of the strategy we took last year. It's not quite a one-for-one, Dwayne, but you're starting Alexander Madison in any league you're in. Show me your four-team leagues, and you're starting Alexander Madison if Dalvin Cook's out, and you're starting Dalvin Cook if Dalvin Cook's playing. That's basically what it comes down to. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think with Madison, like he's, I would, I would prioritize Khalil Herbert over him on the wire just because I think Montgomery's more likely to miss multiple games here. Cook, like you said, he's a guy that we've seen actually play through this pain. You know, he's used to this. He's been having these injuries, I like back to college, maybe even high school. So something that he's learned to deal with. And, you know, we've seen him active on game days, even after not practicing all week, you know, with this situation. So it's something that, that we'll keep an eye on. But to your point, like if it is Madison, for sure going to fire him up like he's going to be you know a high-end rb2 at a minimum you know i didn't even looked at next week's matchups you know he could end up being you know an rb1 depending on what the matchup is so yeah i'm i'm all in like and it sucks man because dalvin cook was about to have a day he was already at 14.6 fantasy points he was already nearly at 100 yards you know it was a great matchup the lions the lions are you know they give up a lot you know on the ground to backs and it was like one of those perfect storm kind of situations dalvin had disappointed the first two weeks he had this great matchup like his utilization was looking great and like he was about to pop like this probably was going to be a 25 point outing from dalvin cook and then the shoulder injury got him on the other side of the ball sun god kept on doing sun god things maybe maybe had the touchdown streak snapped Dwayne, but come on beggars can't be choosers here amon raw six catches 73 yards on nine targets every week wide receiver one this is not going to change that at all also shout out josh reynolds six catches 96 yards I, I i view josh reynolds and matt collins as basically like the same person you know maybe to a slightly lesser extent because i think Carr is a little bit better than jared goff but again it's someone that no i'm not going to be going out of my way to start Really ever, but there are going to be certain leagues where you just want that full-time wide receiver throwing the flex. Josh Reynolds can be that guy. The interesting part, though, is going to be the backfield. Actually, real quick, I would note that Amon Ra almost extended that touchdown streak. He caught a crosser, and I wanted a better angle on that play, Dwayne, because he tried yeah. to jump. He tried to jump over Patrick Peterson. Like from the angle we had, I kind of thought he broke the plane. Whatever, they were just short, and they gave the ball to Jamal Williams on the next play for the score. And that does he also missed a- time after that. You saw him get hurt. So the ankle like, injury. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so and I think that slowed him down the rest of the game. He really wasn't that involved after that. So I think we'll have to really keep an eye on the injury report this week with Amon Ra. Obviously, it's, it, it doesn't sound like it would be anything like a high ankle that would really bother us because that, that's harder to now. Sometimes the guys can play through it, you know, on adrenaline, and then you know it'll get them the next week. But definitely dealing with some sort of an injury. He was only out there for seventy-eight percent of the routes, um, you know, or route participation this week. But he still led the team. Well, it was second on the team behind Reynolds. More than 24% target share. But when they really needed him at the end of the game, like trying to convert third downs, things like that, they were still going back to Amon Ross St. Brown. As Mike noted in the YouTube comments, love all you live listeners with us. Uh, yeah, a lot of injuries league-wide today. I will say, like, as, you know, someone that is literally on my freaking computer not touching grass, you know, from 1 p.m. to when Dwayne and I are talking to you guys now, like, every single person, I think, with the exception of, David Montgomery. I feel like David Montgomery and the Saints wide receivers who we'll get to in a little bit. Most of those other guys end up coming back into the game. So guys like Amonra, uh, you, you know, the bad one with Tua, the bad one with uh, Garrett Wilson for a second. I thought he was really hurt. T Higgins. Some of these other guys that looked bad at first, they actually did come back. So yeah, we'll the, the sure T Higgins that. hit was massive. Yeah. He, dude, he was <laughs> down like shit. not moving and then he just pops up smiling because the dude's a freaking yeah. savage and put on that the was scary. Thing. 
catch touchdowns. So love that. All right. Last thing here with the Detroit backfield. So it came out that DeAndre Swift, he's been playing through the ankle injury is also dealing with the shoulder injury. So that's why we continue to see Craig Reynolds, you know, eat into the backfield share a little bit, but it really was most of the Jamal Williams show. 43% snaps for Williams, 20 carries and two targets, 42% snaps for Swift, seven carries and four targets. So on the season, Dwayne, through three weeks, DeAndre Swift now 50.8 PPR points. Jamal Williams right behind him at 47.7. I think we saw in week one what this should look like more weeks than not when, you know, both guys are healthy. And that's DeAndre Swift being the lead back. But the main difference between these two offenses is all the damn scoring the Lions are doing. I heard them mention on the broadcast how it was, I think that it got snapped. It got snapped in the fourth quarter today but they had scored a touchdown every single quarter of the season i think it might have even stretched back a little bit into week 18 from last year so really that's the thing here where jamal williams last year i don't think his role has changed all that much he's getting used more because deandre swift's been a little bit banged up more than anything what's been so great for jamal is basically what we talked about in the preseason him having a chance to be this year's james connor with the lions offense taking a step forward and him getting those goal line touchdowns so he got two today and Dwayne, it takes us to the point where swift if he's healthy again, he's going to be tough to ever keep out of the lineup and drop like lower than RB 15 or so. We know how explosive he is and the pass catching skills. And even if he is at less than 100%, still someone we're going to be trusting more weeks than not. But with Swift banged up, man, Jamal Williams, are we starting to look at this backfield a little bit more like, you know, a Green Bay situation where we want to squeeze both guys in the lineup? At a minimum, I feel like Jamal, you know, needs to start creeping up more and more into that mid tier, the RB3 range. Yeah, I think Jamal really at this point is more of a high-end RB3 just because, and I thought that, you know, I thought, you know, your comp, your arbitrage play, right, your your comp to him from last year, James Conner, like the 2021 James Conner, and that's what we're seeing. He's getting all the work inside the five, and that's not new. That's That's been occurring even when De- DeAndre Swift was healthy. Um, you know, so he's he's getting to punch in all the touchdowns, and you're in an offense that you just pointed out is playing better. So, Honestly, like Jamal Williams has the same utilization profile as Clyde Edwards-Alaire. But if you ask anyone about Jamal Williams, oh man, I don't want Jamal Williams. Go Clyde Edwards-Alaire is an RB1. They're the same thing. They're getting used the same exact way. Jamal Williams is getting targets, you know, just like Clyde Edwards-Alaire is. Um, He's getting more of the rushing attempts right now, 61%. I do think this is because DeAndre Swift is hurt, but it's kind of confusing because we're not really seeing DeAndre Swift miss practices. You saw him miss Wednesday, then he's limited, limited. Every time they ask him if he's going to play, he's going to play. He's obviously been, he's obviously been on the injury report for the last two weeks. And last weekend, despite being on it, we saw him look great. You know, he came out and basically, you know, juked a guy out of his shoes, you know, on one play to score a touchdown in week two. And then this week we come out and see similar utilization. This is the second week in a row where we haven't seen him, you know, get over 25% of the carries, only 21%. So I do believe it's probably tied to the injury because Swift, when he, you know, he still looks he looks really good so it's yeah. got to be something going on with the injury but at the same time i do think jamal williams like he's not going away like he's probably going to be 40 percent of this backfield no matter what um and to your point they worked in craig reynolds a little bit craig reynolds helped ease the load a little bit on the short down and distance stuff this week he had 40 percent of that so if the lions man like just just rest deandre swift don't play him for a week like just like let him not practice not play like you got i mean you, that's why you have Jamal Williams. It'll allow you to let him get healthy. So my, my thought process, if I were the Lions, would be like, just how do we get Swift healthy? Because as long as he, we keep on with this pattern, we're not really going really gonna to know 
you're going to have to obviously, to your point, start DeAndre Swift, but it really impacts the way we would rank, rank Jamal Williams, right? If we knew Jamal Williams was going to come out and get the kind of workload that he got today, like we would be putting him in the RB2 conversation. So it's, it's, it's kind of a tricky situation because we don't know for sure. Like we're not, we probably won't know when DeAndre Swift is fully healthy or not. We're not going to know. Hawkinson or Knox rest of the season? Oh, Hawkinson. Hawkinson is, 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 is still earning targets at a rate above Knox. He's, he's earned targets at a rate above Knox his whole career. So I would rather have Hawkinson. Are you happy about either of them, though? No, I'm not excited. I, I'm, I'm much more willing to be throwing TJ Hawkinson, though, in my lineup. You know, okay. I, I, he's a mid-tier tight end, tight end one. Like, Knox is a fringy, you know, high-end tight end two. Um, okay. I'm, probably moving, I'm probably moving Knox down, to be honest. I think that's fair. I wouldn't put Hawkinson with that Ertz Goddard tier of guys. That are no, no, he's below the big that. Dogs. But he might be his own tier at this point, and that's okay. All right, Ravens took down the Patriots 37-26. to 26. Hey, Dwayne, I, I guess uh, Rashad Bateman is the Ravens' best player, right? Because Belichick never gets burned by the opponent's best player, so we can't bring up Lamar scoring you know, five touchdowns on him or Mark <laughs> Andrews going for 89 and two touchdowns. We got to say that Bill Belichick did his job. You know, He shut down Rashad Bateman and the rest of the team uh, are the ones that messed up, right? That's how I think that's how na- national media is supposed to talk about the Patriots. All right, all right. I'm done with my little spiel there, but Ravens covered two and a half points over cash at 45 and a half. Lamar, Lamar Jackson, 12 touchdowns his first 12 quarters pay the man he keeps on keeping on and again it's just beautiful man what he's doing as a passer and as a rusher and this is mvp level lamar jackson man in 2019 2019 when he won the mvp and lit the damn league on fire the first three games of the year he had 863 passing yards seven touchdowns no picks this year 749 passing yards 10 touchdowns two picks rushing he actually has 243 rushing yards and two touchdowns at this point in time he was at 172 and one rushing touchdown three weeks into 2019 so the numbers are there i think this team isn't even as complete especially on defense compared to what we saw from that 2019 unit so then you can argue that he's actually i think carrying a heavier load than what we even saw back in those days so incredible performance by Lamar Jackson, incredible performance by Mark Andrews. Unfortunately, though, Dwayne Rashad Bateman was kind of the odd man out here. Just two catches for 59 yards, had chances for a lot more. But unfortunately, it's another game with only like four targets. I would really love if Bateman could be busting on games with eight to 10 targets. And we don't have to keep relying on him just being excellent on, you know, these minimal chances he gets uh, during each game because he was open deep for a good 40, 45 yards. I mean, best case, he breaks a tackle and scores a touchdown. Uh, Lamar put it out there and it was just off the fingertips. And then later in classic, you know, sometimes the wide receiver is getting shut out for 45 minutes, uh, you know, and they just try to feed him a catch. He finally gets the catch, immediately fumbles the ball, and has to deal with that. So, tough game from Bateman. What what are your overall thoughts on him moving forward? And, you know, was the ascension maybe up into a weekly wide receiver too? A little bit too soon for someone that, unfortunately, man, just behind Mark Andrews, we're not seeing them really give Bateman that sort of number one alpha route role that we were expecting. Yeah, um, I think Bateman, you know, is still going to have his huge games. He's just going to be a little bit, you know, he's going to have some boom bust to the nature. You know, he's only out there against 79% of the routes. Like we really want our wide receiver ones to be 90, 95%. Um, so, uh, again, like still looks fine. 15% target share, uh, 33% of the air yards, you know, it's just going to have weeks like this. Um, so you're just going to have to live with it. it it's going to be a guy that's going to be tough to put on your bench though, Ian, because as soon as you do, he's going to have the 30 point week, right? And then you're going to start him the next week and he's going to have the seven point week. So it's a guy that honestly, if, if you've got him on your team, unless you're playing in a really shallow league and you just show us some insane roster, like he probably still needs to be in your lineup, you know, pretty much every week. 
Um, you know, it's going to be maddening trying to pick which weeks, which weeks, you know, he's going to hit and which weeks he won't, but still a very talented player. Um, so I, I feel good about him. Um, we also had uh, JK Dobbins return this week. So they kept him in a rotation. Justice Hill was still out there slightly more snaps, 47%. Dobbins had 44%. Um, Lamar Jackson led the team with 40% of the rushing attempts. And then Dobbins was second at 28% with Justice Hill at 24%. Hill cup. Uh, most of the long down and distance work. They did not have Dobbins out there for that. But this is what we talked about. Once J.K. Dobbins eventually came back, we had always mentioned, guys, they're probably going to ease him back. And it's a team that likes to use multiple backs anyway. So there's no, you know, there, there's not a lot of competition here, I think. So if Dobbins can truly keep just getting healthier and healthier and healthier, there's a real chance maybe we finally see a running back get 50, 60%, you know, of the snaps, you know, for the Ravens. But right now they're taking it kind of slow with J.K. Dobbins. Since week one of last season, Mark Andrews has 129 catches, 1,606 yards, and 12 touchdowns. Travis Kelsey has 109 catches for 1,355 yards, 11 touchdowns. Andrews has been more efficient. He's had a higher ADOT. He's been demanding more targets per routes run. Dwayne, if you're not there already, is Mark Andrews the number one tight end in all fantasy football? Yep, he is. Cool. He is. 50% target share today. <laughs> That'll work. Fifty-four percent air yard. Like, yeah, it's just nuts. I mean, in ninety-one percent route participation. Like he, it's, it's, yeah, he's elite, man. He's the alpha. Would just mention with J.K. Dobbins, he did get down the one yard line just one time, and you know Lamar had to go ahead and throw a touchdown to Josh Oliver instead. So almost there for J.K. Dobbins. But yes, now that we have seen this, I think we can hopefully get back to seeing him playing over fifty percent of the Raven snaps. Hopefully, work his way back into that RB two conversation before much longer. All right, other side of the ball with the Patriots. Unfortunately, Mac Jones believed to have suffered a high ankle sprain per NFL Network's Ian Rapport. Uh, They're reporting that this means he'll miss time and potentially head to the IR if. The MRI confirms it. So Brian Hoyer season, Dwayne, this sucks. This is one of those moments where you're like, oh my God, like someone actually came into the year with Brian Hoyer unironically set as their backup quarterback and didn't have the, you know, decency to turn injuries off before they started the season. So unfortunately that's what we're looking at now. And in a game where, we didn't have Jacoby Myers. He missed this week with a knee injury. Devontae Parker, man, all the dogs. Put all the dogs in that x-ray for Devontae Parker in this one, man. Five catches, 156 yards, 10 targets. Auden Tate-esque, Dwayne, out there just winning at the catch point. Big bodying all these guys. Guy looked freaking fantastic out there. Very happy to, you know, at least have a couple best ball teams. I have no idea how they're doing, but I know I draft them a few times, <laughs> so that's just where my mind goes uh, in situations like this. Unfortunately, though, Dwayne, once Jacoby Myers comes back, which I don't, we're not believed to think this is going to be some super long injury. When you combine Jacoby coming back and then Brian Hoyer also now taking over from Mac Jones, massive downgrade there. I don't think we can have any of these Patriots pass catchers as recommended starts as long as Mac Jones is out. No, it's going to be tough. I mean, Parker, yeah, it was his good, it was his big game, but we've, this is what he does. This is what yeah. Devontae Parker does. He gives us one or two of these a year. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting with Mac Jones. We have seen some quarterbacks play on a high ankle sprain. If you're not a quarterback that's trying to run around all the time, um, you know, for a running back, for uh, receivers, tight ends, like it's an obviously no way. So I'll, it'll be interesting to hear. But either way, like it's not a good thing for Mac Jones if he's having to play with that. Um, versus, you know, if we see Brian Hoyer, um, both things are, are probably downgrades for the offense. Um, with Parker, like we also saw Nelson Aguilar out there more. You mentioned, you know, we had, um, you know, we had, uh, God, why is my mom? Jacoby Myers was out of the game. So Aguilar was out there for 74% of the routes. You know, obviously he came, he was the, he was the Patriots wide receiver that kind of popped last week. This week, only 6.1 fantasy points while 20.6 
for Devontae Parker. Would also note John U. Smith, just short of the end zone after getting a screen, led to a Ramondre Stevenson touchdown. And there was this two-point conversion play, man. It's it's It was absolutely wild. So they gave the ball to Ramondre in like a stretch play, and he cuts it back. As he's like going to the ground, Mac Jones is like next to him. He laterals it to Mac Jones. Wasn't designed. Mac Jones like breaks the tackle and finds his way into the end zone. I was hyping the living room. Dogs were going nuts. The heart of household was alive. Unfortunately, Ramondre's knee was down just before he made that lateral, so it didn't count. But Ramondre did have himself a day here. 73 rushing yards and a score. Also chipped in four catches for 28 yards. And Dwayne, the utilization backed it up where, hey, it took us a while to get here. You know, if you want to take your Ramondre victory laps and you expected James White to retire and you expected, you know, J.J. Taylor and Kevin Harris not to be involved, and then you expected Ty Montgomery to also get injured. Well, you freaking called it, man, because here we are, Ramondre Stevenson, with this utilization now, if Hoyer's under center, it's going to be you know just a little bit of a downgrade. But if Mac Jones is back and we can expect this to be an average offense, man, the way Ramondre is being used is as a legit fantasy football RB2. Yes, he's an RB2. 62% of the snaps, 64% route rate. That's elite. 54% of the rushing attempts. He had 60% of the long down and distance, 100% of the two-minute offense, and he played 60% of the short yardage situations as well. That is nearly an every down back. Damian Harris, obviously still involved, had 46% of the rushing attempts, 38% of the snaps. So as long as Ty Montgomery is out, like this is great for Ramondre Stevenson, and maybe he can play well enough that even once Ty Montgomery comes back, they just let Ramondre stay in the role that he's in. I mean, this it's borderline RB1. He's, he's in a borderline RB1 role. He scored 20.1 fantasy points today. Um, obviously, we would like to see Mac Jones there instead of Hoyer. That's going to hold the offense back, like the overall ceiling. How many touchdowns can you score? Like, you know, the Patriots offense just doesn't look good, period. <laughs> you know, it really doesn't matter who's been out there. Um, so it's something we'll have to kind of, you know, It'd be a lot better, like if we could have Mac Jones, but he he's borderline RB one with his utilization right now. Bengals took down the Jets first win of the year, twenty-seven to twelve, covering as six and a half point favorites under cash at forty-five and a half. Joe Burrow only took two sacks in this one, easily his best game of the year. I mean, just some of the quick adversity he came back from, even on the first drive of the game. Man, they go down there, they call a cool kind of throwback passing, like the modern flea flicker, basically, and Burrow throws a deep dime over Jamar Chase's shoulder, and he just didn't track it well. The best deep ball tracker in the league, or one of them, at least in Jamar Chase, couldn't get that one. Would have been a 56-yard score. Unfortunately, it wasn't. And then do a shovel pass. Tyler Boyd, touchdown. No, it wasn't. Nullified on a hold. Good call. And then T. Higgins makes a ridiculous catch in the back of the end zone. On the initial review, it looked like he caught it, and they kind of showed another one where I do think his heel was just out of bounds. But that was almost a 20-yard touchdown. Who eventually gets the touchdown? Of course, Samaj P. Ryan. So Burrow really just kept going right back at it, you know, finding T. Higgins again and again, and having to deal with Jamar Chase having, you know, one of the worst games I think I've seen him play. I mean, this version of Jamar Chase was basically how I imagine he looked at, like in training camp when all the reporters last year couldn't, you know, go a day without talking about all the balls he was dropping out there. I mean, even the touchdown where no one guarded Jamar Chase just on this easy slant, like he even kind of like double caught that. He had a chance at another ball in the end zone where they reviewed it, and he actually juggled that one. So, look, just like Justin Jefferson, I'm not worried at all about Jamar Chase. It was a bad game. He's going to have better ones. More than anything, Dwayne, I think it was just good to see this passing game get back to taking some downfield shots and get back to looking like the group that made the freaking Super Bowl last season. So with that in mind, the passing game, again, you guys know you're always starting Higgins. You're always starting Jamar Chase. And Boyd in this one with that fun, you know, broken tackle, 56-yard touchdown, we know he can do that. 
what was going on with this running back usage, though? Because we did see Mixon 12 carries. P. Ryan had nine, and the snaps were a little bit more favor in P. Ryan than usual. 66% for 67% for Mixon, 33% for P. Ryan. Mostly just a matter of the Bengals being up so much going the fourth quarter, Dwayne. I mean, possibly it kind of threw me for a loop because really we've seen Joe Mixon handling, you know, 80% of the rushing attempts. So my guess is that it really was coming later in the game. I'll have to confirm it later, but 37% of the rushing attempts to P Ryan, 48% to Mixon. Um, Mixon, the nice thing is he did continue to keep the two minute offense. Um, Now they didn't have to use it very much today. It was only three snaps, but he played 100% of those. Um, And so that's a development that we've seen over the first few weeks. Overall, I'm still very positive on Mixon. My guess with P. Ryan, yes, was that it was coming later in the game when they just really didn't need to have Mixon out there, you know, running into a brick wall, potentially, you know, just taking hits he doesn't need to take, knowing that they're going to need him, you know, for the rest of the season. Very reasonable. And when I checked on Sunday night, Mixon leads the NFL in a combined carries and targets. So he's getting plenty, you know, can't always uh, expect these guys to get 30, 40 touches every week here in and out when, yeah, it is still uh, September and they have a lot to play for, obviously. And, you know, the real life side of things, not just our fantasy teams on the Jets. Probably the last start we saw from Joe Flacco, at least for a while, Zach Wilson has been reportedly set to come back in week four ever since he got injured. And, you know, we'll see. Hopefully, you know, when I look at the Jets, to me, having the Zach Wilson under center, it's a little bit like different style plays. But I think the upside of the entire offense is higher with Zach Wilson because we we know who Joe Flacco is at this point. So to me, it's almost like Trey Lance and Jimmy G in San Francisco, where I think the overall offense could maybe the best, best versions with Zach Wilson. But we have a nice floor here with Joe Flacco that's given us, you know, Garrett Wilson really breaking out early. And we've had some of these running backs, you know, just really eating in receptions in ways that we've seen with Flacco and ways that we've seen with Mike White. But we really haven't seen with someone like Zach Wilson as much. He's got a little bit more of that Mahomes gunslinger gene in him. I just don't think he has has quite the same idea about where the ball is going to go when it leaves his <laughs> hands. So with that in mind, Dwayne, just overall impressions on like how you feel about the Jets offense now versus once Zach Wilson comes back, because this is a risk and it's possible that even though kudos to the Jets, you know, we said it's an offseason, like f- to have these weapons in the offense and the offensive line when it's not getting hurt, like the Jets have done a good job giving themselves a chance to, I think, judge Zach Wilson this year and see if he's the quarterback of the future. But like for next week, man, Zach Wilson's back can we rank Garrett as the top 30 wide receiver he's been, or are you going to kind of take a pause on the week, answer most start sick questions with the other guys from now? Um, I haven't thought that far ahead. Like Zach Wilson definitely scares me. Um, but I think I'm going to trust the talent with a guy like Garrett Wilson. And real quick, before I keep going, Samaje P rhyme, 16 of his snaps came in the fourth quarter. Not all nine of those rushing attempts came in the fourth quarter. So oh. Mixon only played two snaps in the fourth quarter. So it was definitely just due to the, you know, the fact that they were leading, but back to the jets. Um, yeah. Like Flacco's definitely had a connection with Garrett Wilson. Like, so uh, I would prefer Flacco, like if I'm starting Garrett Wilson, but at the same time, I, I think if we can get a step forward from Zach Wilson and he needs a big step, like he was, he was, he was really bad last year. Like he had some moments that were good, but like overall, like it was just really, really bad. And if you compare him historically to other quarterbacks that played that bad in their first season, most of them didn't turn out well. Now there were a few and one of them was named Josh Allen, you know, a guy that didn't grade very well that first year. And then another one was Derek Carr. That was pretty bad that ended up being decent. So he has outs. And so I think the thing that I like about Zach Wilson is potentially do you just get, more stuff pushing it down the field, right? Can you get, you know, an offense that maybe, you know, the bust is going to be worse, but like maybe the boom is bigger, you know, whenever you have a guy like Zach Wilson, you know, leading the way. So, uh, but today it was pretty interesting. Garrett Wilson for the third consecutive week, Ian, 
in targets per route run led the receiver group. Um, so Elijah Moore led the team with a 20% target share, but he was out there 98% of the routes. When you look at Garrett Wilson, he had a 21% targets per route run versus 16% for Elijah Moore. Still love both of these receivers, but I just, Garrett Wilson's been very impressive, man. Like, you know, and he, like you said, he was knocked out of the game for a little bit with the rib injury. He was only out there for 67% of the routes. But uh, I think it was it was happening today. Like, I think he was probably about to take over Corey Davis um, or at least be around an 85 percent route participation before that injury happened and kept him at a 67 percent. Elijah Moore did almost have a 22 yard touchdown. Yeah. It was in, in his hands. Tight coverage. It's funny, Dwayne, because I'll have some of these where like, I don't consider that a drop. And I mentioned the Gabriel Davis one, like when the defender actively like punches it out, like that's a pass deflection. That's a PBU. That's not a drop in my opinion. But sometimes if I'm like, Oh, should I like mark that down as a sheesh or not? Like if I get the, if I get the replay on the quarterback and it shows them like throwing their hands on their head or, you know, doing that thing where they're telling them they should have gone a different way. That's when we know that something was going on there with the wide receiver could have been a bigger day for Elijah Moore. A uh, final note here. We did see Brees Hall lead the backfield and snaps 51% here had 11 targets. Ty Johnson annoyingly involved in week two back into an absolute nothing role in this one in a game where he could have been really annoying. So Brees Hall went ahead and caught, you know, six passes in this one. I mentioned those 11 targets and just on the year, man, I think the kind of behind the, the, the sort of analytics that hyped up Michael Carter as a great pass catcher. And I was a little bit worried to kind of anoint him as that good. But when I see him, you know, being compared to Hines and Kamara, I just wasn't quite willing to go there for right or wrong. Brees Hall, just from what we've seen from him receiving, he looks freaking fantastic out there, man. He's like double spin move today, getting some yak. Number eight among eligible running backs right now in yards per out run, fourth in targets per out run so far. I mean, this is the if we can get Brees Hall even a little bit more like 60 40 with Michael Carter as the primary early down one. Now we can get behind these guys. Was this usage enough for you to all of a sudden get Brees back into that kind of upside RB3 conversation? Or do you still just think this is a little bit too muddled for us to mess with too much right now? Yeah, I just left him there anyway, even just because I didn't know for sure if the Ty Johnson thing was one week or what. So, like, I, I think you just keep him there. Um, honestly, and he's playing so well. Like, this is a guy that when you look at his efficiency and everything, he's kind of the opposite of Clyde Edwards-Alaire. When you look at his underlying data, even though his utilization, utilization isn't quite where we want it to be, like when you look how explosive he is, you look at his yards per route run, all these other things, it's basically just screaming in your face like this guy is a monster. Um, and it's just a matter of like when does he take over. Uh, you know, I had slightly different numbers, 54% uh, snap rate today for Hall versus 46%, you know, for Carter. You mentioned Carter kept the lead role, uh, you know, on the early downs, 55% of the rushing attempts, but the, but 40% to Brees Hall. And Hall was out there for 70. He's getting all the sub package stuff, short down and distance, 75% to Brees Hall. So that leads to carries inside the five. That leads to touchdowns. 81% of the long down and distance went to Brees Hall. They did split the two-minute offense 50-50. So it, it, it's it's basically a near coin flip between the two with Brees Hall slightly in the – actually, I prefer Brees Hall's uh, role right now to Michael Carter's. So I will definitely flip them in the ranks um, this week. And is a player you just want to be ahead on, man. Like a guy like Brees Hall, you want to be ahead of the curve on it. You don't want to be coming in behind. So he's a guy that if you can target him in a trade, if you can get him like a, the, the person that drafted Brees Hall probably spent a fourth or a fifth round pick. So they're going to be pretty excited about the fantasy points that they're already seeing. So I don't know that you'll be able to pull it off, but I think we're getting pretty close. And I won't be surprised if this is if, if this ends up being like a 65 percenter to Brees Hall within the next couple of weeks. He just really looks that good. And they've already shown us like they're getting Garrett Wilson on the field more like it. 
they're just they're a better offense with Brees Hall on the field, in my opinion. And I like Michael Carter. I think Michael Carter looks good, but what Brees Hall is showing us is really at another level. So I'm super excited about him. One other note, man, what are we gonna do with Tyler Conklin? Dude just keeps on doing this, Ian. Uh 75% of the routes today, eight targets, eight receptions, 84 yards. Did, was now we, Zuma, now we know, what were Zoma's snaps? And that was his first game uh, back. 31%. 31%. Well, what they pay but, you Zoma more money for then? Like, okay, I, know, I, guess, but, I guess we are doing it, but fuck. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, this this goes back to training camp. People, I mean, the Jets beats were actually telling us, like, Conklin's the one. Like, they also the, said dude. they have three good tight ends because they use a third-round pick on Rucker, but he's been out, I think. He hasn't been getting much usage. Yeah, he hasn't been playing, but he hasn't played yet. But, um, yeah, I, I'm down with Conklin. I, I, Conklin was always a guy that, you know, kind of his profile intrigued me. Zoma's really hasn't. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens, but I mean, it's three weeks in a row now, um, where Tyler Conklin is 16.4 fantasy points today. Um, I had benched, uh, in Joku in a few leagues just to mix things up, to put Conklin in. I'm like, God dang it. 24.9 points. Conklin made it bearable with a 16.4. So it wasn't too terrible. I will say like, I'd like to see, cause right now I think the jets have like the single most dropbacks in the league. Like that's why Conklin has been able to kind of make this work. I think because every single fourth quarter they get into, they're down multiple touchdowns. So they're just continuously throwing underneath their running backs and their tight ends and the deep balls that Elijah Moore and Corey Davis would like to live on. I just think the defense are taking away those yep. when they're, you know, down unless you're the Browns and they just have their weekly coverage bus, but they're still a good football team. Good for the two and one Cleveland Browns. All right. NFC East matchup here. The Eagles took down the Commanders 24 to 8, covering easily as a six-point favorite under cash of 47 and a half. Is Jalen Hurts the rest of the season QB2, Dwayne? We know Josh Allen is one. Jalen Hurts QB2? Yeah, there's no way that you can say that he's not. You know, well, I mean, Lamar Jackson is QB2. Ooh, that's where it's tough I mean, because if you look at yes, I've got, got, got you to lead in for me, Dwayne, without even knowing here. Jalen Hurts rushing pace this year. 16 games, 197, 17 games, which we're playing 210, the all time single season highs and rushing attempts in a season. Lamar Jackson owns each of the top three at 176, 159 and 147. So right now, this version of Jalen Hurts is run the ball more than any other quarterback we've ever seen. And he can pass Dwayne as Booby Miles senior, you know, said back in the day. So <laughs> I just, man, him versus Lamar. I guess, man, it, it's you're, a you're happy to, you're happy. You're happy <laughs> to either. Jesus. You're happy. Those, those three have just separated. That's a tier. Yeah. Okay. After that, those three a have separated. Off. Yeah. Like Kyler's drops down out of the tier for now. Like, like he could easily rejoin that tier once the Cardinals offense gets going. But right now, yeah, that tier is Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, and Lamar Jackson. Like if you got one of those three, like you're sitting on a gold mine right now. Just incredible from Jalen Hurts leading the number one offense in the league in EPA, both overall and passing the football. Why can't they score more than 24 points, Dwayne? I've watched both of the, I've watched every freaking game this year, but with the Eagles, these last two weeks, like those are two of the more impressive offensive performances I think I've seen. And you look up and they're just always stuck on 24 points. So I don't know what it is. It's just kind of weird. I don't have a big takeaway, but can you, can the best offense in the league, like that's what they've been to start the year, score more than 24 points, please uh, be a lot cooler if they did. But that's okay because Devontae Smith still going the hell off. A.J. Brown having another touchdown on his plate as well. Just a fantastic game from this passing game. Oh, yeah, Dallas Goddard scored two. Did suffer a shin injury but managed to return. Devontae Smith performance, 169 yards and a touchdown. Had another big catch actually get down on the one-yard line. So just about, you know, three feet away from having an even bigger game out there. And just from watching that, Dwayne, and even the uh, Monday night game, Quez Watkins was putting Patrick Peterson in a blender and, you know, making big downfield catches. I just looked at 
in the NFL, every team's group of wide receivers. And the Eagles wide receivers have the number one highest combined PFF receiving grade. They're fourth in yards per outrun, sixth in yards per catch, tied for first in percentage of catchable passes that are caught, number one in QB rating when targeted. Dwayne, I was hoping this passing game could be like above average. They've been nothing short of elite so far. And whether you want to say it's the receivers or Jalen Hurts, again, that QB rating point. This has been the best passing attack in football so far in most any efficiency measure you can find. Been a joy to watch. Yeah, absolutely. There's a train driving by my house. It's like it must be an Eagles fan. Like, just honk, <laughs> like, like the horn is just going bananas. Um, you know, yeah, look. It's, it's a great passing attack. It's very consolidated with Devonta Smith, A.J. Brown, Dallas Goddard. Uh, Devonta had 30.9 PPR points today. Like You just love to see it, man. Devonta is such a good player, and everybody was so worried after that week one zero. And we said, look, just hang in here. Like If it's a pass-heavy offense like this, Devonta's going to get his weeks. And now you're seeing it. You know, he had a good week last week. He had a terrific week. Yeah, see, I don't know if you can hear that, but like the Eagles fan is still like <laughs> driving the train through the town. Um, 34% of the air yard still went to AJ Brown, though. 27% target share to AJ Brown. Devonta Smith had 36%. Dallas Goddard had 12%. Might have been able to have a little bit more. Um, you know, had he not missed, you know, a few snaps, like you mentioned, to the to the shin injury. He was only out there for 56% of the route. So we'll have to keep an eye on him. But very consolidated offense and a pass-heavy offense with a quarterback that's playing really well, like, man, if you have – you're going to start all your Eagles every time you can. Like, they look really, really good. Only small exception is Miles Sanders. We've broken this down before, <laughs> but look, it is a three running back committee. Right on the parade, Miles Sanders. 57% snaps for Sanders, 32% for Gamewell, 10% for Boston Scott. And I know this, we have seen them more like positive game scripts, but this, this really, this is what they do. Miles Sanders isn't going to be this 20 or 30 touch guy. They're happy doing a committee. And unfortunately, with Jalen Hurts at quarterback, Fortunately for the entire city of Philadelphia, like that he plays the way he does, but like there's a reason why Miles Sanders had this game and only had one target throughout, even though Jalen Hurts dropped back, you know, 38 plus, you know, however many scrambles he was out there. Jalen is scrambling instead of checking down to his running backs. Usually that's why Kenneth Gamewell has a tough time getting too involved as well. I mean, he didn't even have a freaking target in this game. We all know Gamewell can do some good things as a receiver. So unfortunately it's like Buffalo where, yeah, sometimes we'll see, you know, guys find the end zone. And De- I know Devin Singletary had his good game when he dominated everything this week, but when you don't dominate everything, it's going to be pretty tough to expect consistent production from these guys. Just like we saw over on the other side of the ball with Antonio Gibson, again, succumbing to JD McKissick and his eight targets out there. There, leading the way there for the Washington backfield. Gibson did find the end zone late, has one more week until Brian Robinson is potentially back in the picture. So Gibson, yeah, while, while Robinson's out, he will be in that low-end RB2 conversation. Once Robinson comes back, though, it's going to be awfully difficult to trust. The big story, though, Dwayne, is, you know, the clock finally striking midnight on Carson Wentz's fairy tale start to the season. But that's okay, man. We knew this guy was here. I don't think any of us expected Wentz to go 17 for 17 this year and, like, not being a freaking dumbass for four quarters out there. And, unfortunately, you know, we had one of those games. But guess what? We still got 102 yards for Terry McLaurin there at the end. We still got seven catches for 40 yards for Curtis on top of some rush attempts. Jahan Dotson was the one that missed out. But we knew we weren't going to get three high-end fantasy viable receivers out of Washington every week the fact that we know it can happen some weeks all these guys still players that we're going to feel good about more times than not especially curtis samuel who i saw you tweet it how many more times do we need the guy to have wide receiver two utilization before we're just like hey that's a wide receiver two yeah he absolutely is a wide receiver two i did a little bit of research like even before this week um you know coming you know i was just trying to look at like 
what what players are really getting the most scheme looks you know what what offenses are truly designing things just for certain players not just having to go outside and win and man curtis samuel by far ian 50 percent of his targets coming into week three had come on play action a play action target is worth almost 20 percent more in ppr over the last three seasons than a non-play action target because it creates more space and this is a guy that doesn't have a high a dot you know so a lot of times people think play action are like oh man down the field 15 20 yard a dot no this is like creating remember it it moves the linebackers and the safeties a lot because of their run fits and so they you can get play action one way and then you can throw the ball to the backside, right and everything's flowing away 32 percent of the time on his targets he's been in motion 27 percent of his targets have come on screen plays 14% of his targets have come off of RPO. Like they are doing everything and he's lining up all over. He lines up in the backfield, lines up in the slot um, and he's handled 10% of their rushing attempts. So yeah, Curtis Samuel, man, he's the centerpiece of their offense. Like we love Terry McLaurin, but like the guy that they're designing everything for is Curtis Samuel. Um, and I think that's also a part of why JD McKissick just hasn't been able to get as much going because they're doing so much, you know, for Curtis Samuel. Um, I, I, the other thing I would say is I still think this is positive, right? When we look at, at the, at the commanders. Yeah. Carson Wentz was eventually going to have a bad game, but man, they remain pass heavy. Now they were trailing today, but 58 of the 77 offensive plays they had, um, that's including penalties, but 58 of 77 were pass plays. Um, and it's their identity. And I think it should be like when you have receivers like this and your running backs are really good receivers as well, like why not? And, and so I think we're not going to see this change. And I think you're still going to see plenty of good weeks ahead from Carson Wentz. In fact, if somebody says, oh man, that was fun. And they dump Carson Wentz and maybe you're still sitting on Brady waiting on his receivers to come back. I would pick up, I would, I would pick up Carson Wentz and I would probably start him again next week over Tom Brady, unless we hear that Chris Godwin and obviously Mike Evans will be back. Now, once Chris Godwin gets back and we saw Russell Gage, we'll talk about him later, kind of step up today. Like that would change things for Brady, but I think Wentz is still going to be a viable fantasy starter. But yeah, Curtis Samuel is a wide receiver too, man. And uh, like he's got a chance, like they push higher up in the wide receiver two ranks, like just the way that he's being used. Now it was not, he scored 13.1 points today. That's his floor. That's his floor game. This is a floor game for Curtis Samuel at this point, the way they keep using him. Like it's impossible, honestly, for him to fail with how much they are scheming him. Now they could stop scheming him. And if they do, then that would change. If all of a sudden Curtis Samuel just has to go out there and win everything on his own, like that would change the dynamic of every. And that, not that he can't do that. Like Curtis Samuel, we've seen be a really good receiver without getting all the scheme wrapped around him. So I don't think they're going to change it, though. Why would they? Like it's really been working. Like he's coming through on his end. So, um, man, if you have Curtis Samuel and you got him late, just like just be thankful. Like like you should be super stoked about Curtis Samuel on your fantasy team. Final note here is Carson Wentz took not one, not two, not three, nine sacks out there. Uh, that to me, like when we talk about making fantasy better indicative of kind of what happens in real life, the fact that quarterbacks can get sacked and like nothing happens. Like it's one of the only plays in fantasy football where a play happens. It's a major impactful play and there are no points really taken away from either side. I know the defense special teams, they get a point, but the quarterback doesn't lose any points, I guess, because fantasy is trying to say it's more so on the offensive line, but just food for thought, Dwayne, if we wanted to kind of even things up, you know, take a half point, take a point away for the sacks. we maybe make some of these performances. Some of the quarterbacks that, you know, are getting by in the raw counting numbers, even though we know that things are going, you know, against them. Basically trying to avoid the conversations like I was trying to have with my friends this morning where they were like, how can fantasy be so freaking stupid when we're like actively and smartly knowing to start like Marcus Mariota and Jared Goff over Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers? 
It's the game we play, Dwayne, and we'll continue to make those decisions, but just some food for thought there. Panthers took down the Saints 22 to 14, covering as a two point dog under 41 hit. Don't need to spend too much time on the Panthers offense. Christian McCaffrey, 25 consecutive non injured games with 100 plus yards and or a touchdown. Unfortunately, the touchdowns don't come very often in an offense led by Baker Mayfield, who promising second half in week one. It's been tough to be too happy about this one. Had a sick 67 yard touchdown throw, LaVisca Chanel. And by sick, I mean he threw like a screen and LaVisca actually went out there and was parting like it was 2020. Again, Dwayne, he didn't need six guys to get hurt and disappoint us on 100 targets this year. LaVisca Chenault out there making the damn thing happen. Are we going to go back to Wells Visca? Of course not. Look at this Panthers passing game. Can we even rank DJ Moore as a top 30 receiver, Dwayne? I barely did this week, and that felt irresponsible. One catch for two yards from DJ Moore. And this one, obviously, Robbie Anderson didn't go off, you know, instead, because that would just make too much sense. So, McCaffrey is barely getting by. He's getting by on 20 freaking carries. This is like McCaffrey is kind of being used like 2021 Alvin Kamara at this point. Honestly, we're no longer getting the sort of gaudy receiving total that made Christian McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey in the first place. So like Alvin Kamara last year, we're not going to complain about a running back that's getting still easily on pace to clear 300 touches and he could still see the receptions go up. This was a game with, with in which the Panthers were inexplicably able to play with the lead for a good amount of it. But Dwayne, literally, other than Christian McCaffrey, can we start anyone here? Yeah, I think we just, it's the point where Baker Mayfield's terrible, man. He's terrible. Like, and we talked about this. You, you can live, like, fantasy assets can live off of a below average quarterback. The extremes are the killer, right? Or the thing that can set you over the top. Like, if you have a, a top three passer or if you have a bottom three, like, those are the things that you either, like, you get lucky and you get, and the thing that you don't want to be unlucky and have it happen to, you know, your guys. And right now, Baker Mayfield is playing like maybe the worst quarterback in all the NFL. In fact, like I think Geno Smith looks better than him right now. Like, and Geno Smith looks way better than him. Marcus Mariota looks better than him. Like all those guys are able to, to sustain their weapons. Like, and you can still feel okay about them in fantasy football right now with Baker Mayfield. You can't like, honestly, and, and, and there's nowhere to go. Like we saw the same thing with Sam Darnold last year, Sam Darnold, though, at least was able to support DJ Moore like to a decent, you know, fantasy season last year. So we had kind of hoped that Baker would be an upgrade. He's just not. He doesn't even know how to check the ball down. To, he doesn't even know how to get the ball to Christian McCaffrey. Like, what the hell? Like, I, I don't understand. Like, like Baker's brain dead or something. Um, so McCaffrey, utilization to your point, still great. 84% of the rushing attempts. 80% of the snaps, man. This is, this is what McCaffrey was getting two and three years ago. He's out there all the time. Um, so I think, really, he's the only guy that you can be using. Um, and he's also the one that's most fixable because Baker doesn't even really have to be good just to learn to check the ball to, to Christian McCaffrey underneath. Um, DJ Moore, it's going to be more of a challenge. So, yeah, I'm dropping DJ Moore down into the wide receiver three range um, this week. And it's all because of Baker. We, we know DJ Moore is a really good player. 22% target share today, you know, is still okay. But whenever it's coming from Baker Mayfield, who we're just hoping, honestly, like we're like praying that Baker can throw for 200 yards in a game. Like, I mean, he got 170 today, 48% completion rate today. Like, I mean, the catchable ball stuff, like it's ter- it's it's really bad for DJ Moore. It's bad for all these receivers. Slightly more positive note, the New Orleans Saints side of the ball. Alvin Kamara back from the rib injury and got his usual role, 70% snaps, 33% for Mark Ingram, 15 carries and six targets for Kamara. Unfortunately, didn't get the goal line touchdown. That was Mark Ingram. I think that was just like, Dwayne, we haven't seen this long 
an ability for the Saints to give Kamara goal line touches. I think it was just a matter of Ingram being on the field for that snap. I didn't get a chance to go back and actually watch the full game just yet, though. But come on, it's still Alvin Kamara. Continue to fire him up as an RB1 each and every week that he is healthy enough to get out there. The more intriguing part is the wide receiver room. Pretty uh, terrible game from Jameis Winston, but even sometimes terrible Jameis Winston games consist of 353 yards and a touchdown like this one did on the season. Now sixth in big-time throw rate, 12th in turnover-worthy play rate. Dwayne, right now, Jameis Winston, 11.9-yard average target depth. If that persists over the whole year, that's the highest single-season mark since at least 2015. If I had to bet, it might go all the way back to 06, which is when the PFF database even begins. So when you have a quarterback like Jameis just – Being the damn gunslinger that he was put on this earth to be, you get things like 300-plus air yards, all of a sudden turning into 147 real-life yards for Chris Olave. Shout-out Traquan Smith, his first game of the year, also had 105 receiving yards. How many damn games over the years have we just been hoping to get anything from Traquan Smith? Of course, he picks this one when nobody would have any reason to be on him to go for over 100 yards. But the reason why Traquan was out there, Michael Thomas suffered a foot injury and Jarvis Landry suffered an ankle injury. Landry went from probable to questionable to doubtful on the in-game update. So I'm not sure what the hell that was about. Both guys, though, were ruled out, like basically not being able to return, not looking great there. So my goodness, man, if we see Chris Olave without Michael Thomas or Jarvis Landry, like Dwayne, I looked at the air yard leaderboard before Sunday Night Football. Chris Olave has 541 air yards this year. Second place is Deontay Johnson at 367. Like, this is a wide receiver one workload, particularly if we're taking away Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry. I understand the efficiency isn't quite as well as we're getting out there, but Lord knows that's the same thing for Deontay and other guys we just talked about. Like, is top 15 possible for Chris Olave if Michael Thomas and Jarvis are out this week? Yep. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the only thing that's going to keep you from putting him in the top 12 is just, well, he's still a rookie. But, like, he, he easily could have a top three week. I didn't put him top 12, bro. I put him top 15, okay? (laughs) Exactly. I mean, well, you know know how the game works. Um, But yeah, 33% target share. The dude's earning targets. He's he's earning targets against the best players on the other team. Um, You already mentioned the air yards, 40%. Yards per route run, 3.77 today. Um, Chris Olave looks amazing, man. Like he, if he's a, he's a wide receiver too. Anyway, he's a wide receiver too with Michael Thomas playing. He broke a tackle today, Dwayne, all those, all that freaking talk in the off season. <laughs> he broke, he only broke 10 tackles at Ohio state. Yeah. Cause he's so smooth. He runs by everyone. They don't, he doesn't even register forced tackles. Cause he just jukes the people to the ground. He went up and made that sick contested catch on that first deep one. Chris Olave, man. I, I know I got a little carried away from my Ohio state guys, but you saw it, Dwayne. No, I mean, right now, honestly, uh, like even if Michael Thomas is back next week, I'm flipping him. Wow. is the guy I'd rather play because he gets the he gets he's getting just as many targets, if not more, and they're further down the field. Um, and we know what Jameis likes to do. So to me, it's like Chris Olave is moving into the wide receiver two conversation, regardless of what goes on with these injuries. And if they are missing Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry, then yeah, that gives him wide receiver one upside. And he he has wide receiver one upside anyway. The damn air yards make it possible that. He's going to have he's going to finish, you know, in the top 3 probably a couple times this year at least just because Jameis is pushing the ball to him down the field. So, um I don't I don't see a way to keep Alave out of the wide receiver 2 mix period no matter what's going on with these injuries. 
Moving right along, the Jaguars took down the Chargers 38-10, to 10, easily covering as a six-and-a-half-point dog over cash at 46. We were talking before, Dwayne, about how, you know, history tells us that Zach Wilson, guys that are that bad as a rookie, usually have a tough time getting much better in year two and belong. And, you know, we can always talk about Peyton Manning leading the league in picks and then going on and do Peyton Manning things. But just historically, a lot of bad news. Trevor Lawrence right now starting to make his case of being another exception and good, man. I didn't want the freaking most hype prospect since Andrew Luck to be this big of a bust. I want every single team in the league to have a great quarterback because that's how you end up having the most entertaining football games. But this season, 30 quarterbacks have at least 100 dropbacks. Trevor Lawrence is eighth in PFF passing grade. He's sixth in quarterback rating. He's not making, you know, the most intense downfield throws all the time. He's only 17th in big time throw rate, but that's okay. That's more of a descriptive stat, I think, sometimes than anything. Protecting the ball well, sixth lowest turnover worthy play rate, 16th in yards per attempt, sixth in adjusted completion rate. So I think that paints a pretty reasonable picture of what I've been seeing here. We have a quarterback that's not exactly, you know, breaking down the door of efficiency. I don't, I don't think we're seeing Joe Burrow from last year. Joe Burrow led the league in yards per attempt last year and was just day after day, you know, one great downfield throw to Higgins and to Jamar Chase. But guess what? Lawrence doesn't need to do that. He's got Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Travis Etienne, Evan Ingram, and of course, James Robinson carrying the rock to make life easier for him. So Trevor Lawrence, man, just his whole Doug Peterson Jaguars offense. I think we, uh, you know, we saw week one come along. Things didn't look great. A lot of missed opportunities. And then last week it was more so like, oh, well, the Colts just blew it. We weren't really giving the Jaguars enough credit. I know Herbert's playing at less than 100% here, but just focusing away from him, this was a Chargers defense that made Patrick Mahomes really look human in week two. And just when you look at them, I know Joey Bosa got hurt in this, but deep at all three levels. And Trevor Lawrence in this offense, man, they made it look easy out there. I know, Dwayne, we talked about, our hesitation and thinking that this offense could have another, maybe not high end, but just at least another like reliable fantasy option in the passing game, other than Christian Kirk, who scored again in this one. Man, if Trevor Lawrence keeps playing like this, they might. Yeah. Today you had Trevor Lawrence. He supported two, three, four, five players that scored at least 10 fantasy points in PPR. You had 19.2 from Christian Kirk, 24.5 from Zay Jones, 13.3 from Marvin Jones, 20.6 from James Robinson, 10.5 from Travis Etienne. You had a touchdown catch from Evan Ingram called back because he didn't have the ball. Like Ingram was really close to a big day. Not a big day, but, you know, a 10-plus point day as well. So there's probably going to be an odd player out each week. But, yeah, I'm feeling more and more confident. And Zay Jones seems to be the one. You know, that I would pick, you know, if I had to say, okay, it's Christian Kirk, then who? I would probably say it's Zay Jones. Zay Jones, week one, had a 25% target share, week two, 15%. This past week, or sorry, week three, right now, 30% target share for Zay Jones. Um, Christian Kirk, you know, his target shares haven't been like huge, but he keeps coming through with touchdowns. He was at a 22%. And, you know, we've got an offense that's running quite a few plays. Like it's a big improvement from what we saw, you know, last year. Like this is a totally different offense. And yeah, having to give Doug, Peterson, you know, credit. Absolutely. Uh, but I mean, as far as like these guys, they're all out there, you know, Zay Jones, 80% route participation, Marvin Jones, 83%. Like they're, you know, they're not in the 90, 95%, but if Trevor Lawrence keep playing, keeps playing this good, Kirk doesn't leave 98% of the time that, you know, Lawrence is dropping back. Kirk is out there. Like Kirk is squarely just mid range wide receiver too. I think you've just got to rank him there every week. I think Zay Jones enters the wide, the low end wide receiver three conversation. And maybe we, you know, we'll see how it goes from there. Like he might continue to get pushed up, you know, a little bit from there, but I think he's in that wide receiver three range at this point. Um, just real quick on the backfield, 
you know, we saw Travis Etienne a little bit more involved. James Robinson still led the way with 58% of the snaps, 43% to Travis Etienne. He got another chunk touchdown, too. They got this, this every week. He was even this guy like before. Yeah. It, James Robinson comes back from an Achilles and like gets more explosive. Well, he didn't even have to do anything. Like that was. I know, if, I know, you, but... you, and I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying that to take it away from him. Like it was a, you know, Eric Eager did this, you know, study on the perfectly blocked play. That was what a perfectly blocked play looks like. And it was fourth well, and short. So everybody yeah, was stacked in. At the line he, and. I mean, dude, he didn't no one touched him he was just gone and and good for james robinson like he's looking great with the achilles injury uh you know he handled 49 percent of the rushing attempts we've seen travis Etienne stuck at that 20 percent mark he did eat into that this week 37 percent of the rushing attempts to travis Etienne. that's more of the range we thought he would be at uh 82 percent of the long down and distance so guys like i know travis Etienne, 10.5 fantasy points today in a ppr still not great but i'm just telling you like there's 21% targets per route run. Like ETN's going to have some big games coming. Robinson is still the guy that you want to have in this offense. Um, and the biggest part, Ian, is because the Jaguars are playing so much better and they're leading. It's keeping James Robinson on the field. We really thought that this was an offense that would trail all the time. And in the games where they trail, you're probably not going to see as much James Robinson because he's not out there on long down a distance. He's not out there in two-minute offense. So you're still going to have potential game scripts where you see this thing flip, and it's actually ETN could end up looking more like the RB1, even from a utilization and snap perspective. Um, but I think both guys are still going to end up providing value. So I'm encouraged with, with what we saw this week from ETN because that 20% you know, of the rushing attempts we'd seen over the first two weeks – you know, you can get by, you know, but that just makes it really rough, you know. So being at 37% was a step in the right direction for Travis Etienne. Jaguars, Eagles next week. That's going to be a great one. If we see the Eagles have their way with them, which I'm not saying will happen, but that'll be the good real test for Etienne. Like what happens when they are behind three touchdowns? All of a sudden, are we seeing those snaps flip and he's out there more? Because again, in a game that the Jaguars won 38 to 10, man, if you would have told me that the difference in carries and targets was, you know, 20 for James Robinson and 16 for ETN. Like if you told me before the season, that's like what we were working with in a game script like this. I'd probably take that as someone that was pretty into ETN. So needs to start hitting some of the explosive plays for sure. But on the eye test, ETN doesn't look terrible out there. Like James Robinson, James Robinson can look good and ETN still be pretty good in his own right as well. Doesn't necessarily need to be one or the other. And just like what we talked about with the Rams, with the Jets, with a lot of these other ones, just the fact that it is only down to two running backs. Awfully good for future fantasy success. Now with the Chargers, again, Herbert playing a lot of pain, uh, still able to make just throws that most people can't even dream of. I mean, that 54-yard dart to Guyton, like rolling out to his right, absolutely wild. Also had some nice strikes to Joshua Palmer, who ended up with 99 yards, continuing to show that he can really be a weekly wide receiver three, if not higher, anytime one of Keenan Allen or Mike Williams are out of the picture. Keenan did miss time again in this one. Mike Williams' only catch was a 15-yard touchdown. It's the Mike Williams experience. Uh, Hayden Winks uh, over underdog said it best. You know, if you if you can't love Mike Williams at his lows, you don't deserve to love him at his highs. So just start him all the time, and we'll get that going on. We did see Jalen Guyton hurt his knee at the end, but Josh Palmer kind of had him beat out. So we all kind of know what's going on with the Chargers wide receivers, and we still don't quite have the full stretch on Gerald Everett because Donald Parham continues to miss time with the hamstring injury. Everett's utilization, it's always good, not great, but when we have Justin Herbert throwing the passes, it's more okay. But Dwayne, the big question on everyone's mind is Austin Eckler finishing second in his own backfield and carries. 
okay, he had a 57% snap rate. He went out there in the last drive and it's like, I, I it's, it's like the last drive of the game. He just whispers to Herbert, like, Hey man, like this is my time. Like, let me get mine here because one check down after another, he saved himself in PPR and Hey, he saves himself in PPR style points. Don't matter. We'll take him however we can get him. And ultimately Eckler is on pace to catch 119 passes this season. But Dwayne, when we drafted him, man, it was coming off the 20 touchdown year in which he was being used as way more of the every down back than he is now. And unfortunately, it does seem like even if it's not one single guy behind him, like maybe that's what's kind of throwing us off the scent a little bit with Eckler because no one emerged behind him. But if we just ignore that, man, like Sony Michelle and Joshua Kelly, it, we don't care about them. So let's make them one person. So it's Austin Eckler and there's Sony Kelly. Sony Kelly played 43% of the snaps with six carries and four targets. That's a problem. When we look at Sony and we look at Kelly, we don't care because of their so like we don't care about them and themselves. Together, though, it's much more of a problem than it was last year for Austin Eckler. Yeah. And so for Eckler, like the, the biggest challenge he's having is is last year he took over all the short down and distance work. And that opened up this huge, you know, opportunity to score a lot of touchdowns because he had never had that role before. And so each each week we've seen his short down a distance uh, snap rate go down. It was at 50 percent. Then it went to 40 percent this week. Only 25 percent only handled 36 percent of the rushing attempts still was out there for a little over half of the long down and distance work. Fifty four percent. But like we let's see that at 100 percent, man. Like, why is he not out there for 100 percent of that? They had 13 snaps and long down and distance a day, and Eckler was only out there for seven. And then the two-minute offense, he was out there for 100%, but they only ran the two-minute offense for four snaps. So it didn't really do that much to help him out. And they were the snaps at the end of the game that you're talking about where he saved his day. And so, yeah, I am concerned about Eckler. Like, he's still an RB1 right now, but I'm going to move him down to low-end RB1. Um, You know, he, he still has enough of the passing down work. He still has enough of a role, but he's definitely not what we drafted him as, you know, because uh, some people were taking him in the top four because his utilization profile last year was elite. So there's definitely like some leaks um, in the profile, um, you know, for Austin Eckler right now. Final few notes here. Dwayne mentioned before how Evan Ingram had a near touchdown in the back of the end zone. I, I want to see more replays, man. It looked like he just straight up caught it. I mean, but I guess, yeah, they did rule only one foot down, but could have been a much bigger day. And Ingram, just to be fair, like he looks more like the Evan Ingram we saw as a rookie in his second year, way more so than the guy who, you know, Jason Garrett's. Jason Garrett's, you know, just brilliant uh, Princeton Harbor, wherever the hell he went. Like his big idea of getting Ingram involved was like those tight end sweeps, like tight end reverses and goal line. When it's just like, come on, man, what are we doing here? We've already seen you run this three times. And it didn't even work then. He almost had the touchdown. The atrocious one, Dwayne, was at the very end of this game. For you Justin Herbert fantasy managers out there, I am sorry because this dude, for some reason, 38 to 10, and he's still out there at the end in a game where they were talking about it being like a pain tolerance thing. Like, come on, like what are we doing out there? Regardless, he hits DeAndre Carter for an 11-yard touchdown. They show the replay. It, he had his foot down when he caught it. He put his second foot down, and then he went out of bounds. Like, this looked to me like a clear-cut 11-yard touchdown, and they just didn't review it. There were three seconds left, and everyone's like, eh, whatever, game ends. Screw fantasy football. Screw ga- Come on, NFL. You know, if you're going to go, I get it. I'm not going to do the big Calvin Ridley rant, but, like, they are partnering with casinos and shit now like Devonte adams has a big deal with like bet mgm or one of those like actively now the nfl as long as you're not doing it you know in shady areas or in the shadows like they are partnering with gambling you know betting books and dfs and all this shit the nfl has involved himself with this so you need to take this stuff seriously because you know think about how much money that probably could have swung you know just in the millimaker and all that shit so these shishas a lot of times are you know 
a lot of times I think it's a tough call or it's a, you know, a ref messing up, which you shouldn't have either, but this was just negligence, man. Like, come on, like you, you should have time for this. What are we doing here? Yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, it, it looked like I've, I've had those kind of things like make huge swings, like, you know, especially in DFS, you know, like season long, you don't remember as many of them because, you know, you're just kind of on to the next week and you're looking at your, you know, you're looking at your totals, but like in the kind of contest that we're playing in, like where, you know, you're trying to win a point race, you know, to make sure that you get in to a playoff race later in the year, like these little things, like they can come back and make a really huge difference for fantasy players. Final note here, Dwayne, the, the comp we rolled with for Travis Etienne, the one that really got us on there was Etienne and DeAndre Swift. Right now, the top two running backs in yards per reception, Etienne and DeAndre Swift. There's a chance, baby. There's still a chance. Yards per route run are still looking good, yeah, for both. So, Rams took down the Cardinals 20-12. to 12. Not, not not a very good game. I'm just going to come out and say it here. I did not really enjoy watching it, but that's okay. You know, football is still football at the end of the day. Matthew Stafford got the win, just 249 scoreless yards. Cam Akers found the end zone, and so did Cooper Cup, both on the ground. Cup with that 20-yard rush. And unfortunately for Cup, just four catches for 44 yards. Just spread out performance where the Rams, you know, they were just able to get a lead early. The Cardinals, they stayed close. They were within one score, but just never really felt like they were that big of a threat in it so Dwayne I'm not worried about of course I'm not worried about Cooper Cup and Stafford didn't have you know the big performance we were looking for but again just I think the Rams being able to control this one and not getting in the sort of shootouts that we would kind of expect from a Kyler Murray led offense was what ended up being you know the just reason for the lower pass game volume what we did see though is for the second straight week now Cam Akers be the preferred running back over Daryl Henderson now again with snaps it continues to be pretty close it was directly 50-50 in this one but Cam Akers had 12 carries no targets Daryl Henderson had four carries and one target and two Akers credit man this was the best he's looked post Achilles unfortunately he did lose a fumble but 5.3 yards per carry. First game over 3.7 yards per carry since returning from that. Also had three explosive runs, which I believe we define as 15 plus. It might just be 10 plus. 10 plus. 10 plus. Three explosive runs. He had two explosive runs combined in his previous seven games post Achilles injuries. So with this, Dwayne, I, I like last week, I ranked Henderson and Akers as low end RB3s. I was answering start sick questions with the other guy, which, you know, worked out well enough. But I think now that we've seen two more weeks of this, Akers can go back to being the guy ahead of Henderson, albeit, no, we're not putting him up, you know, in the low end RB2 range where we were drafting him. But hey, top 30 now, 30, RB30, RB31 for Cam Akers. It's sounding more doable for me now that we do see McVay seemingly going back to the well with Akers over Henderson. Yeah, 62% of the rushing attempts, you know, to Akers versus 24% for Henderson. Again, another guy that profiles very similar to Clyde Edwards Alaire, but no one would treat them the same. He's actually getting he's getting more work than Clyde Edwards Alaire, you know, Cam Akers is. So um Darrell Henderson did get one hundred percent of the long down and distance, one hundred percent of the two minute offense. So I think at this point Henderson moves to low end RB three. Uh Cam Akers moves to mid high end RB three. You know, you're you're gonna need the touchdown from Cam Akers. Like you're gonna be counting on the, the rushing touchdown. The weeks that Cam Akers gives you the rushing touchdown, you're gonna feel great about it. On the weeks that he doesn't, you know, he's he's really uh like he and Miles Sanders are very similar. They're gonna both they're gonna have 12 to 15 carries, they're gonna have 40 to 65, 70 yards. Maybe you get lucky and Sanders, especially like he's better at breaking the long ones. Um, you know, maybe they break a long one, but what you're hoping for is down inside the five. 
you get that rushing touchdown. That's where Akers actually gets more work than a guy like Miles Sanders, who has to deal with Jalen Hurts and Kenny Gainwell coming in there. So Akers had 67% of the short down and distance work today. Uh, Darrell Henderson had 33%. Mentioned the uh, Akers goal line roll. He actually should have had a second rushing touchdown there. So originally they throw the ball to Allen Robinson. He gets tackled like the two yard line. They give it to Akers. He gets stuffed. They give it to Akers again. He gets stuffed and he fumbles on the goal line. So it really was a bad fumble as one of our lovely commenters uh, pointed out. And yeah, again, this was a game where I think Matthew Stafford, he played better than kind of the passing line looked, which a lot of times is the opposite. I think Stafford sometimes is the king of like 300 yards, three touchdowns, but you watch them play and you're like, oh, come on, man. What the <laughs> hell? What the hell is that? So Cooper Cup, we're not going to hold it against him, but he did drop a 28 yard touchdown. Uh, that, that was, was a great right. throw. Oh, was two great def- throw. He was double covered. He had two defenders, but he's managed to get behind them, which only Cooper Cup can do. It, 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 it amazes me how many times you see like two guys trying to cover him and, and he still got like a step on him. You know, you're like, what, how is this happening? <laughs> and man, it was Stafford through a dime. Like that was an absolute dime. So the drop 28-yard touchdown, Allen Robinson, they gave him a nice little goal line screen that could have been a five-yard score. He dropped that. wasn't quite as egregious, but probably should have been their score. And, you know, for you A-Rob managers out there, got to make the most out of these, you know, few targets we get per game these days. And finally, this one wasn't quite as much of a sure thing, but Cup was open deep. And, you know, he, Cup basically ran like more of a deep post and Stafford threw it like right down the hash. And it was, again, one of those drains that you like to do where Stafford's, you know, trying to tell him right after it that he wanted him to yeah. run straight uh, was clearly just a miscarriage communication on it the best case scenario for that play and that would have been a touchdown that would have been like a 50-yard touchdown 74 oh 74 god (laughs) so cooper cup yeah could have had still a massive day not that anyone needs any you know you know condolences you know around oh my god you drafted cooper cup and you had a four (laughs) week of 16 and a half points like the 30 pointers are probably be back they'll be back you know next week what are you doing with robinson man i'm just starting to wonder like is the dude just washed like he's out here He's out here, 93% of the routes, 20% target share today, 24% to Cooper Cup, you know, so he at least got ahead of Higby, who is at 16%. But man, not doing very much with this stuff, Ian. 0.92 yards per route run again today. Like, just, I'm starting to wonder, man, like Robinson just, it's not clicking. Again. I don't like to be like, well, he dropped a touchdown. So like, that's a reason why you should like be happy about the guy. I understand that he should be a lot cooler if he would have caught it last week. He had a second touchdown, just not count because they'd like the injury guy called down late. I think the, uh, the allure of hopefully having two top 24 wide receivers with the Rams, maybe that's something we can back off of a little bit, but I think Robinson, he just slides down more so in that mid low end wide receiver three range. If he wasn't there already for you, I'm going to dump him to wide receiver four for now. There's just too many good rookies. Like I would, rather play yeah. you're, you're, you're i'm gonna play a lave i'm gonna play all those guys way over him now there's no way i'm starting him over drake london I, if garrett wilson's no. healthy not starting him over garrett wilson um there's just so many guys that are rising also that are just gonna bump him like there's there's a lot of guys that are moving up my board and so robinson just by the nature of maybe not moving up or down but like they're all just they just keep passing him um, so I, he'll probably end up being a high end wide receiver four for me, uh, until I just really see him be able to do more. He's in a good offense with a good quarterback. So things could change quickly. Um, but I'm just not going to force him into the wide, re- wide receiver three ranks anymore. Like he's, he's done enough. You've earned it, Alan. You've earned it. You're now a wide receiver four. congratulations, sir. Look, I mean, is it that different from Robert Woods last year? Like, it's not like Robinson's going out there getting nine targets and doing nothing with it. It's just, they're. They're having success going to Cooper Cup, and maybe they just will the whole season. 
I don't want to panic because uh, we as a fantasy industry panicked way too much on the Robert Woods thing. We've seen Sean McVay be willing to go back to these guys. I guess what would scare me, Dwayne, is like if the OBJ thing pops up and he gets a factor. Maybe Van Jefferson. That's the that's the other problem. Well, the other problem though is with Allen Robinson. What we didn't know for sure, what we were torn on, was last year he looked washed. Was Kenny it because he was hurt? And we didn't know because he was playing hurt. And then he was also playing with Justin Fields, which look at Justin Fields like it's really bad. So it was hard to really tease apart. Was Allen Robinson washed, or was it really just the situation? Well, after the first three weeks of the Rams. Maybe it was both. That's what I'm starting to think. So it's that data point plus the rough start to the season. I'm not saying you got to cut Allen Robinson. I'm just saying I'm going to find a way to not have him in my starting lineup until he until he proves to me that he needs to be out there. Because honestly, in three weeks, it wouldn't hurt you if you've benched him all three. He he hadn't made you pay yet. Well, the wild thing for me too is like we know Allen Robinson being paid to be a number two receiver in this offense and everything, and trusting him and trusting Stafford. Like that was kind of our basis for taking them we don't like to base everything around available targets but obj not being in here like emerging as like almost not the red zone threat that was still cup but emerging as a an elite red zone threat down the stretch last year and even van jefferson Dwayne, van jefferson last year had 50 catches for 802 yards and six touchdowns like that's not nothing and he's just been out of the picture and robinson still can't demand a bunch yeah. of targets on top of that we have that's ben- why i'm worried man I'm, I'm, I'm just worried i i feel like we should have at least seen one flash you know, and and now granted, like to your point, like if he scores the touchdown today, he gets a second touchdown last weekend, like those make you feel a little better, but like he's still not earning targets. It's not bad, like 20% target share is not bad, but you know, we were definitely hoping and in a game where Cooper Cup only gets 24%, like you would expect Allen Robinson would take a step forward and he didn't. Yeah, it's look, we're not saying cut Allen Robinson money stretch. He's still someone that can be started in plenty of lineups. But look, when we were drafting him, it was a hope that he'd be someone that we're saying, you know, don't take out the lineup even if there's a fire. We are not at that point right now. With the Cardinals, Kyler Murray continuing to, you know, work his way back in the fantasy points category in the second half. Ended up throwing for 314 yards in this one. Had several chances to get touchdowns. They were just, you know, a little bit apart on all of it, which honestly, like this whole Cardinals offense, man, when it's not just the Kyler Murray run around and make it happen show, They've looked broken for the majority of the season. Now, DeAndre Hopkins is out. Rondale Moore is out. Like, hey, we make the excuses for Tom Brady when, you know, the Buccaneers can't really move the ball through the air. It's because all of his wide receivers are out. I would hate to look at the Cardinals and say, you know, as much as a Greg Dortch is a generational player, Dwayne, that we all saw coming this year. Like, let's face it, not a ton of great options for Kyler to consistently get the ball to. With all due respect to Marquise Brown coming off these 14 catches for 140 yards in this one. But in this one, Zach Ertz almost had a potential touchdown, went right off his fingertips i think it could have been a little bit lower sure it would have been nice if earth could have come down with it though james connor dropped a short pass around the goal and i had a chance for him to power in he had like two drops and yeah, then, james, james connor looked really bad today I, I feel like the ankles definitely bothering him and then they brought you know benjamin in a little bit and i think that was fair in this one we did see connor 60 percent snap rate you know 27 percent daryl 16 percent normally connor is someone that we can see like 70 80 if not even higher so i would agree with Dwayne and say that that was impacting him unfortunately you know Eno came in and he started he dropped the pass as well so no one on the offense was just making it you know easy for kyler really other than hollywood and our guy greg dorch yeah i think there, there were three drops by the running backs alone exactly yeah <laughs> it was two by yeah. connor one for Eno and uh 
Hollywood, I think him and Kyler are each kind of responsible for a missed opportunity downfield. There was one where Kyler really seemed to put it out there. Mm-hmm. I thought it hit him in the chest. Jalen Ramsey started celebrating. I, I don't know that I trust Jalen Ramsey in the heat of the moment, like <laughs> if he actually got a finger on it. But holy shit, speaking of Ramsey, man, just flying around the field in that first half. I, I know we've uh, seen him get beat plenty of times in our uh, coverage and stuff, but the things that Duke, Duke can do as a cornerback, you know, and run support and stuff, uh, I think we take it for granted. But anyway, had to deep ball to Hollywood that I think hit him in the chest and come down with it. And then later, Hollywood, nice, you know, move to get open deep and Kyler just overthrew it. Didn't die, but you know what? Probably wouldn't. Man, it was so close. Like, I, I, I was kind of thinking, dude, that was close enough layout. Like, I give him the Mar- better Marcus Brown scored 28 but, fantasy points today. He could have scored yeah. 40. That's that's the thing. So again, I'm awesome game from Hollywood, and I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, just dive and catch that man. But it did seem like it was pretty close. And this wasn't a game where AJ Green got ruled out with a knee injury. So that is, I think, why we saw it so condensed around Marquise Brown, Greg Dortch. Like how many? But even but but even before AJ Green was hurt, like he was just a non-factor. It was Marquise Brown was. Yeah blowing the door off already before before AJ Green got hurt. Side note, like if Green's out, Hopkins is out, Rondale's out, let's say Marquise Brown gets suspended, Greg Dortch uh, gets a DUI, <laughs> unfortunately. How many targets did you project Andy Isabella for? Like four? Four and a half? I think two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we are at this point. So, it's Look, Dwayne, it's, we kind of know the offense right now. It's Hollywood and Zach Ertz should be getting most of it. George keeps on keeping on as this, you know, PPR friendly wide receiver four type. And 17 J- points in PPR again today for old Dorch, man. 18% target share. But when you got a team that runs 83 plays and 63% of them are dropbacks. Yeah, it'll get you there. It's just underwhelming, man. And Kyler's getting, I think we'll see better days in this Cardinals offense. But it's really disappointing that they're now one and two and literally just can't understand so, so what if rondell moore gets this kind of target share when he's back from the slot like wow like because we like dorch like dorch might be a better route runner than rondell moore but like as far as doing something after the catch like rondell like that's where he could add a whole layer you know to this offense obviously deandre hopkins you know after week six you know then we i think they have their bye week six week seven so like we won't see hopkins i don't think to week eight i gotta check but Man, it gets me excited about Rondo Moore. Like it like okay, like now now it also could mean Dorch eats into Rondo Moore stuff. Like maybe he's played good enough that Rondo Moore stuck in a rotation with Dorch. There's a lot of things that could happen, but if Rondo gets to play this full on Greg Dorch role, that could be pretty exciting. We just need Rondo to get the Greg Dorch role. That's what we needed. Uh could you imagine time. though? Seriously, like he had 10 Bro. targets today. If you gave me 10 targets to Rondo Moore, I would I would hurt myself, but I would try to do a backward handspring, maybe on the show. <laughs> Shout out to the, uh, you know, the goats of our fantasy football podcast industry, the fantasy footballers, you know, Andy, Jason, and Mike just can't say enough good things about the guys, but they invited me to do, and I'm not sure if you're doing it as well, Dwayne, but a bunch of people, they said, hey, send in, you know, two minutes of like a quick audio thing on a sleeper you like for this year. And I picked Rondale Moore and my argument, which, you know, I've said this podcast a million times, but the projection at the end of the day was a hundred plus targets and like 20 plus rush attempts with this stuff that he can do in this offense were on the table and yes during the fact that we're seeing Greg Dorch get it I feel a little bit validated but it also feels like a nice being twisted like even Cliff further. Kingsbury if he would just look at the Curtis Samuel role like you could do that with Rondell Moore Oh my God. Do you see what we got Joe King saying that Dorsch just took that role? I'm going to freaking cry if healthy Rondale's back there just taking a back seat to. I think it's a po- I think it's possible, but I th- I've seen people say that. I don't know that that's true. I mean, Rondale Moore is still a second round draft pick. 
you know um it is what it is i, I mean he's, yeah. he can't, we'll, he can't, we'll he can't play right now he can't play right now get healthy rondale and then we'll uh we'll decide if that nightmare is going to be i do think it's premature reality. to say dorch is taking the role like i definitely think that's premature i could still see easily see dorch just end up as the wide receiver four on this team when he's back so other than just generally we want more out of the uh cardinals offense here just efficiency and scoring wise again 12 freaking points for this group not exactly living up to the nfc west you know shootouts that i think we were all hoping for uh yeah, cliff kingsbury sucks yeah. like, let's just put it out there like his <laughs> offense is so damn vanilla he does not move players around enough uh you know he doesn't use motion enough he doesn't he doesn't do any of the cool things to give your quarterback an advantage in a pre-snap read. Um, I, I don't get it. I don't understand that he's running. He's running a 1990s offense. Uh, probably a, a, a 90s version of Texas Tech offense is what I'm guessing. And his solution um, was like when Kyler complains about the play calling to have Kyler call plays in practice to be like, yeah, see how hard it is. Yeah. Like, bro, that's your... I don't think you realize what you're saying there, Cliff. Like if your quarterback can't run the offense, like maybe you need to start looking at the offense. Cause you just gave how many millions of dollars to that quarterback. I don't think the quarterback's changing. So if that just leaves the offense to change, uh, if they stay on this path, he gets fired. He won't be back next year. Like, well, just, they just extended him. I don't know. Well, that's true. <laughs> but Jesus, like why, why? Uh, we'll <sighs> see. We'll see. It's, it's just, it's, it's, you know, we got DFS. If Kingsbury was a cookie. He'd be a, what? Like a Nilla wafer. <laughs> Like it, it, this dude was supposed to revolutionize like past the air, the air raid in the NFL. Let's not forget about that. Look, the wide receivers are out. We mentioned that it's what is problematic though, is we have seen this Cardinals offense slow down the second halves of seasons. A lot of that I think was Kyler having to play through the pain, but mm-hmm. I just, I hope this is the worst part of the season and not Me whatever too. the hell could be the second half final note, Dwayne. Cause with Kyler again, he's still been, he's still made the most out of this, but this is a point now. We're 2019, 5.8 rush attempts per game. 2020, 8.3. 2021, 6.3. This year, just four rush attempts per game. I mean, did you see the play where Aaron Donald like broke through immediately and Kyler basically like <laughs> dove back? Got him by the got him by like the toe. Business decision. You know, I can't blame the guy, but I do wonder with Kyler, man, like having him outside the top six, top seven quarterbacks is gonna be really tough because he's still running more than those other guys. But Milo. Just Bilo. go by. Like he's still a dual threat quarterback. His weapons are only going to get better. He's going to have to overcome incompetency as a from his head coach. Like that's clear. Yeah. But we've seen Kyler do it. You know, already in the past. Like I would absolutely buy low. He should still remain in the top six quarterbacks. I would still rank him ahead of for the rest of the season above Joe Burrow. All the pocket passer options. Like he needs to be above them. Um, you know, I think he's right. He's right there. Yeah. I would absolutely buy low on Kyler Murray. It's just like over time, we've just seen this, these guys that have the dual threat, they're going to be fine. It's also a small sample on the four rushing attempts. And I, I don't necessarily hate it. Like when you look at Kyler today, he played a very heavy zone team. You're typically going to run the ball less whenever you're facing so much zone. And a lot of times they have a spy, you, know, you get into some of these games where you get man coverage a little bit more often. And those are the games where the quarterbacks can take off more. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Kyler Murray's just a buy low. Falcons took down the Seahawks 27 to 23. This is the main event, Dwayne, because guess who crushed it again? The one, mm-hmm. the only Cordero Patterson, my goat, your goat, your favorite football player's favorite football player, 17 carries, 141 yards, and touchdown on the ground. You bet your ass he cleared 150 total yards, added another 12 as a receiver. 
I will say, I think this was the first time the Seattle Seahawks run defense without Bobby Wagner and then without Jamal Adams, like really got exposed because you, the announcers were right, man. Like there were runs where it looked like CPAT was like returning a kick, like just <laughs> getting lanes out there. Yeah. He'd make good use of it, you know, show off that speed. He hurled a guy one time. Like, you know, I'm not, I would never take anything away from my guy CPAT, but you know, you average 8.3 yards per carry. There's going to be a lot uh, to be said about the offensive line performance in that one, but it was at least good to see Dwayne in a game where, they got to play. It was just like a back and forth game, honestly. And last week when they were getting blown out to see CPAT have the same amount of carries of Tyler Algier, it was a little bit worrying moving forward. But this one, 60% snap, 17 carries and one target. CPAT is going to keep being that RB2 with RB1 upside that he's really been ever since he's been healthy in Atlanta. Going back to week one of last season, pre-ankle injury to now RB36. 4, 19, 1, 16, 19, 11, 7, 5, 52, yeah, one freaking week outside the top 36. Boo-hoo, cry me a river, and then whenever the hell will finish with that today, likely inside the top 12. So fantastic stuff from CPAC. Kings stay kings there. And Dwayne, we even got not one, but two pass catchers pretty involved this week. Drake London continuing to do Drake London things. Caught a touchdown, 2.75 yards per out run this year. That only trails Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, Rashad Bateman, Stefan Diggs, and Mike Evans. So can't say enough good things about Drake London. And finally, Kyle Pitts, five catches, 87 yards on eight targets, Dwayne. I believe that's as many as he had uh, this entire season going this one, or at least pretty close. Now, it did seem like there's a big effort early to get him the ball. I think only had one catch after halftime. Arthur Smith was like, all right, fine. We got Kyle Pitts the ball, you know. Now we just need to get away from that again because I hate him. But with that said, Dwayne, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, Cordero Patterson. Like, it's weird to me. We talk about the Bills and the Chiefs and some of these juggernaut offenses, and we have, like, one guy that we can really start with confidence. I almost feel like we have three in Atlanta. Yeah, I, you know, as long as we keep the passing tree consolidated down to Drake London and Kyle Pitts, because this is a, it's a run first offense when they can. Um, and so it's kind of like what we've talked about in the past with the 49ers, some of these other teams, right? It's like two's fine. Three's a crowd. And I, I think where we're sitting though, right now in the passing game, they're not using, that's the one caveat with Patterson. They're not using him as, as much in the passing game. 50% of the routes or 50% route participation. Um, only out there for 43% of the long down and distance. They didn't need the two minute offense today because, you know, the game was close or they were leading. Um, so Patterson, not quite getting the usage we like to see in the receiving game, but I don't know how long, I don't know that that sticks, you know, because we know that he's still a very viable player, but because London and Pitts can both do what they do in the passing game, they're just not having to use CPAT as much there. And I think as long as we see that it's fine. Drake London, man, 32% target share today out there. 80% of the routes was 31% of the air yards. And then if you look at Kyle Pitts, 42% target share, 49% air yards. When you have a tight end, they can get a 42% target share with an eight out of 18.4. That's pretty good. Now, he only ended up with 13.7 fantasy points in a PPR. London was at a 14.4. But I'll be honest, Ian, like Drake London might be a wide receiver one this year. Like this is his floor game, 14.4 points. This guy's just like, you know, posting 30% target shares. This is a guy that like can come out here. He can earn targets every single week. And it really is just him and Kyle Pitts that are getting all the targets. So even though we don't have an offense, that's going to throw for 300, 350 yards very often. And they're going to continue to try to run the ball when they can, even though Mariota is only probably going to throw for 200 to 250 yards. If it's all really consolidated, these two guys like Drake London, man, he's already going to be moving into a mid range wide receiver two for me. Um, and if he has another 30% target share next week, like it's going to be really hard to keep him out of the low end wide receiver ones, even though he's a rookie. 
completely different players, but he's got that Jalen Waddle vibe where like it's a bad passing game, pretty bad. You know, just I'm not trying to shit on Mariota here. He's he plays he's had, he's had some good moments, but not an ideal passing game. And maybe like if we're even if we're not going to see these like long chuck touchdowns or London, you know, making these absurd you know contested catches all the time, they're still finding ways. Maybe not in this one. To your point, it was a floor game, but those first two weeks, man, I didn't know if he was going to be able to be this like seven to eight catch guy and you know 70, 80 yards weekend and well, week and out. It's the touchdowns. We didn't know if if this offense would be good enough to score the touchdowns, and they're moving the ball just well enough to give him chances down inside the five where he can really be a problem. Shout out uh, who mentioned it. Drake up here was talking about imagine this offense to win. Once we get Calvin Ridley uh, back in the picture as well, I know like we'll need a quarterback upgrade, but they know they need a quarterback upgrade. That's why Mariota is only on that uh, one year deal as well. And to Mariota's credit, you know, did have a rushing touchdown here and they got the win. They scored 27 points, but clearly they're looking for more in the future, but Hey, Drake, London, Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, Cordero Patterson. Can you name a better foursome to build your entire franchise and city around, Dwayne? I'm not sure I can. Now, with the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, real quick on Pitts. I, did, yeah. I, mean, I forgot to mention 68% route participation. That's his lowest number of the season. So just something that we'll have to keep an eye on. Like, he still came he still came through for us. You know, he got the targets. You know, those are the things that we mainly care about. But we definitely want him to, you know, last week, he's been all over the place. Week That's one, nice. he was a 72% route participation. Last week, it jumped to 91%. This week it was at sixty eight percent. So I don't know. Arthur Smith, you got Anthony Ferkser out there for eighteen percent. You've got uh, there was a, a thing called a Parker Hesse out there, Ian, for thirty two percent of the routes. So I, I I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that. Like that's something that we're we don't like. Like we want to see. Just Kyle Pitts should be out there for at least eighty percent of your passing plays. Come on, man. Seattle Seahawks, another just saw game from Geno Smith. The mainstream media won't talk about it, but you guys know the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast will. Geno Smith, 325 yards, two scores through the air. Geno Smith is not terrible. He's just bad, and I will not rest easy until the entire world admits that, Dwayne. So good stuff from Geno. We got Tyler Lockett, another quality game, nine catches, 76 yards. DK Metcalf, 64 yards and a touchdown. Almost had a second one, caught it in the back of the end zone, just couldn't quite get the feet down. Kind of you know, half the battle of scoring a touchdown, which I get it. Just realize, you know, it wasn't another good ball from Gino. So passing game, it's been great to see because this is kind of, this was the like best case scenario for these wide receivers, Dwayne. Gino isn't terrible and the Seahawks are as terrible as we thought. And they're in situations where they have to throw the ball 44. You know, he took more than that dropbacks, 46 dropbacks in this game. So Lockett and Metcalf, it's a muddled wide receiver three, you know, you know, borderline wide receiver two yeah, range, but yeah. we're feeling better about these guys. Absolutely. 12 and 11 targets to Metcalf and, and Lockett, you know, uh, Metcalf only came down with five, but he had a couple of other plays like they could have, you know, exactly. kind of went the other way for him. 17.4 fantasy points for Metcalf, 16.6 for Tyler Lockett today. Um, yeah. And, and here's the thing, like Pete Carroll came out last week and said, we're going to run a little bit more tempo, and we're going to be more open to throwing the ball with the way that Geno Smith has played. They, I feel like we should pause and like have an, just an, a round of an applause. Like For anyone that's li- listening, like you should just stop, and we should clap. 71 plays. Yeah, like that. We have not seen anything like that from the Seahawks, unless like maybe they played like triple overtime or something you know, to get to 71 plays. So he actually came out and said, this is what we're going to do. And I was skeptical of it and they follow through. So if that's going to be the case and they're going to use a little bit more tempo, be a little bit more willing to throw the ball, knowing that you got Metcalf and Lockett, like that's, that's good for the passing game. 
running game. No, hold a on. A bit of a mess. We yeah, got go a, lot ahead, sorry. Of, a lot of good things going on, you know, and yeah, yeah. injuries aren't good, but you know, Travis Homer suffers a rib injury. So Seahawks to go out there, you know, they, they used, they really want Kenneth Walker. They took him with the 41st overall pick and they found a way to get their second round running back on the field. No, they didn't. I'm just kidding guys. Rashad Penny played the most snaps and DJ freaking Dallas had to still play ahead of Kenneth Walker, even after Travis Homer got hurt. So yeah, I know you were getting into that Dwayne, but I, I stole a thunder, but now please continue with, uh, the sad, the ever sad Seahawks backfield rotation that is again going to continue to use three, if not four, running backs each and every week. Yeah, I think it's positive for Penny this week that he got sixty nine percent of the snaps. Right, nice. so uh, that's solid. Sixty three percent of the rushing attempt. I don't know if we'll be able to trust it or not. I really don't. Um, but it's all we have for now. So on a workload like that, like you're going to get, you're going to get weeks where you're going to get more than 7.9 fantasy points in a PPR, which is what you got this last week. Uh, again, though, that still makes him kind of that high end, maybe low end RB2, high end RB3, you know, because it's kind of, we've talked about these guys, they're going to be in that 13 to 16 carry range. You're not going to get a lot of targets and you're usually going to be around 55 to 65 yards, but if they score a touchdown, they can come through for you. Um, Kenneth Walker, uh, to your point, only 13% of the snaps, uh, 9% route participation today. So he's a guy you can't use. It was sick. Dude, it was, yeah. Uh, (laughs) next gen, I think he, he gained 10 yards, I think, but he ran 60. (laughs) (laughs) He ran 60 yards. But it was necessary. It was a necessary 60. Well, Hey, and when you get, you got moves like Kenneth Walker, uh, you know, that's kind of the way it works. He did have three targets. 75% 75% targets per route run, you know, what it wasn't out there that much. So maybe we need to kill, you know, I know a lot of people thought Kenneth Walker probably just couldn't catch the ball because he didn't in college. You have to be careful with that kind of analysis. We talked about Kenneth Walker all season being like, man, a very fluid athlete. Typically these guys that are so fluid and like, like just, you know, not trying to get like football technical, but like just the, the, the loose hips kind of stuff. Like those guys usually can catch the ball. Like they, they can get turned around. They can get their eyes on the ball. He just wasn't used that way at Michigan State. So I have a feeling that Kenneth Walker is going to prove some folks wrong on the ability to catch the football. Um, and look, Rashad Penny, like when he moves along, like he's a player that we're going to be very excited about, um, especially if like this offense maybe moves on and, you know, finds a different uh, coordinator head coach. America's game of the week. My mom was super hyped to watch this one. I didn't have the heart to tell her, you know, just what the game total was at. Packers took down the Buccaneers 14 to 12. Ah, uh, I think I, I saw some guys in the comments saying this week really did seem to be going well. I feel like the 1 p.m. witching hour on Red Zone has been fire every single week. But the four o'clock and on the Sunday night, as we saw, really just kind of letting this down. But with all the injuries going on this one, no Mike Evans, no Goblin, no Julio Jones. It was going to be tough to expect too much out of the Buccaneers offense. We did see Aaron Rodgers and company have a bit of trouble as well. Didn't have Sammy Watkins. And the one consistent source of offense, Dwayne, none other than Romeo Dobbs, another rookie going out there and doing the damn thing eight targets no problem eight catches 73 yards and a touchdown your boy alan lazard also caught a touchdown later in the game had a nice downfield back shoulder catch too so this man i what did the actual routes come out of this Wayne? because this has been a very muddled situation to start the season which we expected more so than ever this week it really just seemed like lazard and dobbs took a step forward as rogers top two pass game options i don't think it's a coincidence that Watkins was out of the picture but hey, that's not exactly something that we know that we're going to be back, getting back anytime soon. Yeah, they just they just need to move forward with Dobbs and forget about Sammy Watkins. Twenty five percent target share, ninety five percent route participation today for Dobbs. Alan Lazar was out there eighty nine percent, but he had some heat 
cramp kind of stuff going on that knocked yeah. him out for a few plays. 19% target share. Um, and look, that's kind of what we felt with Lazard. Like his ceiling is probably he's going to, he could be he end up being like an 18 to 20% guy. If I had to pick one of these two that I wanted that I had the most upside for the rest of the season, I would pick Dobbs over Alan Lazard. Um, like, like we've seen Lazard for long enough. That he's probably not going to turn into an alpha all of a sudden. Now he's bailed you out with the touchdown catches, um, you know, each of the last two weeks. But I think Dobbs being able to do what he did in the preseason, then now getting out there and doing it again, you know, in a regular season game, like I just feel like the ceiling is better for him. Now they could get Watkins back, somebody else back, and he goes back to the bench. We can't help like what the coaches do, but he's the one that gets the gets me the most excited of the receiving core. I'm excited too, man. Lifelong Romeo Dallas fan for months. You've been <laughs> on that train with me. Twenty one point three fantasy points today, man. That's nice. Love it. Aaron Jones, unfortunately, didn't have a good day. You could even say it was a bad day. Could have been a bigger day. He had an angle pass, potential touchdown. Maybe would have been down at the one. Maybe not. Either way, he fumbled when he got cracked. Hate to see that. So this really was a game where it was surprising to see Brady, you know, make it this, you know, two-point conversion to kind of get to overtime in the first place because transitioning to the other side of the ball really was just, you know, problematic for Tampa to move the ball all game long. Leonard Fournette did some good things when, you know, Green Bay decided not to cover him at all out of the backfield. He ended up, you know, getting freaking how many? 5, 12, only 17 touches in this game. But if you look on the season, most combined carries and targets, first place Mixon, second place Jonathan Taylor, third place Leonard Fournette. We talked up Rashad White all offseason, Dwayne. Unless it comes out of nowhere, it sure as hell isn't happening right now. Leonard Fournette, once again, has the utilization of an RB1. Let's just get the Buccaneers scoring offense looking like the one that was here in 2020 and 2021. Yeah, that's all we need. We we just need Godwin back. We need, you'll get Mike Evans back on the field next week. You know, I, this is one that in two or three weeks from now, I think you're going to feel really good about Leonard Fournette. Now they've also had offensive line injuries that occurred, you know, in the preseason. So there's a lot of factors going on, but he's never leaving the field. 91% of the snaps, 87% of the rushing attempts, 78% route participation. That's bonkers. Like that's, that's elite. hundred uh, percent of the two minute offense almost 70% of the long down and distance. It's really all to Leonard Fournette. We just need this Buccaneers offense down inside the five more often so that Lenny can score the touchdowns. When that starts happening, you're going to have a guy that's going to be posting easily, giving you 20 and 25 point weeks. Like they're coming. I don't know how long it's going to take to get there though, right? It just, it just depends because you don't just need Godwin back. You need Godwin back healthy. He's now got a hamstring. We was already coming off of a late season ACL. So we're probably not going to see the normal Godwin that we've been used to all year like but if we could get him to like 80 90 percent of what we're used to not really any good news right now on julio sounds like there's actually a tear and a slight tear in his mcl um now they say it doesn't require surgery he's a guy that get back can get back but i mean he's an older player the 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 bright spot though is in russell gage a guy that we talked about all offseason he actually did show breakout metrics unlike the guy that was on the other side of this you know tilt with Allen robinson really good was great against man coverage last year single man coverage was really awesome but he's been battling a hamstring all preseason you know it started like after week two of preseason so he must have had a pretty bad one they've been limiting in practice he didn't necessarily look great today uh, but he was getting open, and, and Brady was trusting him. He was out there for 84% of the routes. He posted 26.8 fantasy points in a PPR today with a 33% target share. So that was really nice to see Russell Gage you know, be able to get that done, knowing that like he's all they had. He's what the, the defense had to focus on with 
Mike Evans and Chris Godwin out. So I think that speaks well for Russell Gage, plus the fact that now we know that Julio actually has an injury that might keep him out for a little bit. I think that opens the door for Gage to have this kind of game, maybe build a little momentum, have another nice game next week. You get Mike Evans back, take some of the coverage away. I'm getting, you know, Russell Gage is a guy that I think, you know, if he wasn't somebody that we had been excited about in the preseason because of what we had seen in his underlying data the two seasons before in Atlanta, despite having you know the quarterback challenges, I, I would probably be like, yeah, this is just a flash in the pan. But because we have that talent profile that told us uh, there might be something here with Russell Gage, then when you see this kind of game, it's like it's a building block, right? It's not just something random that came out of nowhere. This is a player that we actually expected to be able to come out and perform better than what a lot of people probably would have thought. Unfortunately, he's playing hurt too. He enters every single game questionable with the hamstring injury, but he's, you know, battling through it. And this basically, yeah, Dwayne, when Gage was getting up like in the sixth round territory for a little bit before uh, Julio got signed, this is what we were hoping for. Like Goblin missing time and Gus Russell Gage just being a target hog in the short intermediate areas of the field. I mean, he had 12 catches, the longest one went for 15 yards. Like this was the epitome of the Buccaneers, you know, long, basically, passes the sideline that are borderline rush attempts because you're just working with the efficiency that goes with those sort of low eight dot uh, pitches and pitches and catches. That's why Gage caught 12 or 13 targets. And hopefully he, again, just becomes really ingrained as Brady's one because man, we've seen it. Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller, like how come they could never demand 13 targets in a game like this? Dwayne, maybe because they're not as good as Russell Gage. It's funny how that uh, works out sometimes around here. I think that's it from Tampa Bay. I think the last thing on the Buccaneers, just as remember, Rashad White still does look like the only other back that's getting involved. And, I mean, you know, Fournette, like, the utilization's great, but, I mean, he is he's a little – he's not old, but he's a little older, you know, and so, I mean, he's got a heavy workload going on him right now. He's taking a lot of hits. So, I mean, just something to remember – um, Rashad White, if you're especially if you're playing in like a 12 team league, you know, with decent bench size, like Rashad White shouldn't be on your waiver wire. Like he could be the next Alexander Madison, Khalil Herbert, like that kind of thing that happened today. You're gonna have you're gonna have that with Rashad White if something happens to, to Leonard Fournette. Hey, we got one more game, but Dwayne, our guy Elias has a trade question in the chat. I want to help him out. Okay, cool. Yeah. Kamara, Kamara and Dak for Brees Hall and Josh Allen. We're for sure taking Josh Allen's side. Uh what, sorry, what was the trade? Kamara and Dak for Brees Hall and Josh Allen. He's even got golf like for now, so it's not even that big of a deal. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine with it. Like, look, jo- the way Josh Allen's playing and Brees Hall is coming on, yeah. I mean, and Kamara's just not getting the usage in the passing game. Like, not that it won't change, but remember, Jameis likes to look down the field. That's why Alave's popping, man. Um, and so I'm, I'm concerned that even if Kamara gets going in the passing game, like getting going doesn't look like what we used to think with Kamara, like, you know, when we knew those hundred, you know, target seasons were in his range. Mike brings up a good point too. Kamara is, I think Kamara's next hearing is yeah. September 29th. So like if there but was there's nothing time, that can happen, there's nothing that can happen in that most, hearing. Most likely not. Yeah. I, I get it. I'm just, if there was ever a time for the, maybe the value to change now, a what, little bit. For Kamara to get suspended this season, one of two things has to happen. And this is, this is based off of, uh, you know, Drew Davenport. You guys can go read his work on Twitter. Like he's a lawyer, not me. The, this this next hearing is there's nothing that he can't be suspended it's just a technicality kind of thing he's got to go in and basically okay. that leads to the next date 
right? Which would ultimately is there. His lawyers have already pushed for it to be next season or, you know, after the season. This is so fucking stupid. This guy punched someone in the like uh, assault. We all agree that happened. And these lawyers and shit find like a way to push it back for like a year, man. Dwayne, we got 3 PM deadlines and articles like every day. (laughs) And we do something that's so little of importance compared to this. Like, this is what makes me so mad about all. Anytime I hear about these trials and stuff going on in politics, someone's getting impeached or whatever. Like, I don't care about any stuff going on. I, I I care when I find out like how long it takes them to get anything done. When you also want to tell me that this is like more important than anything else in the world. Like, yeah, I don't know. Work on Saturdays and Sundays. Maybe you guys don't all get a three week vacation every single Christmas, <laughs> whatever. All right. Yeah. Final. Camara, Camara, it's like one of two things. Either the video comes out that would change everything. Cause we know yeah. how the NFL is right. Or the saints aren't playing well. Camara could just decide, Hey, do we move this up to this year so that I can actually be around for next year? Like, like those things could be in play, you know, and the saints, you know, they're struggling a little bit right now. So I, I think those, those would be the the ways that Camara ends up not playing this season. Final game Broncos 49ers Broncos won 11 to 10. Nathaniel Hackett, Dwayne two and one. How about that? Can he hack it? Maybe he can actually hack it. I stole that joke no, from you. It was, it was a good dad joke. It was a good dad joke. You know, I, I'll give you credit. With this game, as Dwayne and I got on here at halftime, we did not catch the second half. Uh, yeah, I didn't need to see much more now. in the first half. I will say, uh, you know, just seeing Jimmy G back under center, you know, seeing Debo and Brandon Nayo get, you know, just some, a few more catchable balls. At this point, Trey Lance has played like three or four games in the last two or three years. So don't call it Trey Lance slander, but we've, we've said this, man, when it happened, it's unfortunate, but in San Francisco, not having Trey Lance there is going to be better for the wide receivers. And it's also going to be better for the backfield because now we don't need to worry about as much of a dual threat quarterback taken away. And man, did we see that Jeff Wilson, 12 carries 75 yards. Now Debo still at his five carries, but Jordan Mason, just one carry in this one. Our guy, Nathan Yonke has us covered over at PFF.com with the exact snaps and Dwayne. 41 snaps for Jeff Wilson, just five for Jordan Mason routes, 19 in favor of Jeff Wilson, two in favor of Jordan Mason. This was a possible big time possibility after Tyrion Davis price got injured. And now we've seen it. This is upside RB two utilization. I still don't think he's going to catch a ton of passes, but to his defense, he did catch three targets in this one. I don't think they were able to really run the ball quite as much as, you know, we would have seen in a normal week just because they didn't run all that many plays to begin with. So, Jeff Wilson, someone that last year looked terrible, let's face it, but coming off like a really just, you know, the stuff, I think it was one of those microfracture surgeries, I think, with his knee, like really messy recovery. Jeff Wilson back in 2020, man, won a lot of people their fantasy leagues down the stretch is what he did during the final few weeks. Is Jeff Wilson with this sort of utilization with Jimmy G under center, someone that we can now actually rely on as a starting weekly RB2. Yeah, he looks like a low end RB two. I'm just I'm I was looking through the utilization as you were sitting here talking, um, and yeah, I mean he really did dominate. You know the uh, the snaps. Um, yeah, I was just sorry. Hang on one second. This I'm I'm using ultimate, and it's like jumping all over on me. But yeah, 14 of the 15 rushing attempts went to Jeff Wilson. Uh, he was out there for 20 of the passing plays, only two for Jordan Mason. So I don't have it broken down into like, but obviously he's out there for all of it. So yeah, if, if he's going to be out there this often, it's really the only other player that's stealing anything, you know, in the rushing department is Debo Samuel, you know, at this point. So Debo handled five rushing attempts to 14 for Jeff Wilson. 
Also, apparently, I, I haven't seen the video just yet, but, you know, with Dan Arvlosky saying that, uh, you know, finally, thank you, uh, Jimmy G. I do have reason to believe that Jimmy G ran out the back of the end zone. So that's fantastic. I cannot wait to uh, view that. But, yeah, 10 points uh, from the 49ers, not great, but the Broncos scored 11. And that's all you got to do to win a football game, Dwayne. Score one more point than the opposition. Credit to Russell Wilson for cooking doing that. Everyone's always adding me when, um you know, the new fun thing is, like, let Russ cook, and it shows, like, some disgusting, like, bowl of cereal with like a banana and like a piece of bread in there and they're like oh did, did he come up with this one so uh yeah another pretty bad game for Russ. but at a minimum man even in a game with jerry judy back in the picture here and seemingly kind of playing his usual allotment as i'm looking at the routes right now yeah Colton sutton 39 routes jerry judy 30 kendall hinton 23 kj hamler 10 montreal washington 7 so maybe judy with a small step back maybe they were limiting him a little bit coming back from that uh rib and shoulder injury but Colton sutton man Caught eight of 10 targets for 97 yards. Uh, going into this week, he was already vying for number two air yards, you know, behind only our guy, Chris Olave. Corton Sutton, even if he's not going to be, you know, maybe top 12 right away, we still need to see this offense in general do more than they have now. Sutton's the every week starter. Jerry Judy still have good things expecting for him down the road. But for me, I'm going to consistently have Sutton ranked, you know, a good probably five to six wide receiver spots ahead of Judy. Yeah, I think that's fair. And we, we just need this offense to get going, man. Like, yeah. you know, we were so excited about Denver's offense and it just, it's, it's, it's terrible. Like it's really bad for how many good players they have on it. You know, um, we're giving Baker Mayfield a really hard time, right? Carolina is kind of similar. Like we've got all these weapons here and we can't really get anything going. Um, as far as the backfield, um, I've got the splits here. We've got Javante, you know, last week we saw Javante jump up, you know, into that 62% snap range. This week it was 44% uh, to Javante, 37% to Melvin Gordon. And we have to do this, Ian, because this is a Nathaniel Hackett-led offense. 19% of the snaps, Mike Boone. Mike Boone has got to be involved. He handled 11 of the passing plays, 15 to Javante, 14 to Melvin Gordon. So we, we hinted at this last week that Javante's utilization was looking good. But let's be careful. Mike Boone was getting involved, and Mike we saw Boone, that continue. This is so, come on, I'm man! So stupid man. I played preseason DFS. I appreciate Mike Boone, but this is Javante Williams. It's like Dearness Johnson, man. Like nothing against Dearness Johnson, but it's Nick Chubb. Well, come on. Yeah, but it's a pain in the ass when you have an offense that's not playing good, and now we got a third guy that's got to be just enough of a pain in the butt, like getting involved. Like it's, I don't get it. You have Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. I mean, why do you need Mike Boone on the field? I don't understand. Alberto, number three in snaps, number one in routes, but unfortunately, Eric Saubert, Eric <laughs> the number Thompson, five in Ian's heart. Number five in Ian's heart. <laughs> Greg Dolchus is even back in, and that's the sad part here. But yeah, we cannot be trusting Alberto these days. Sutton Judy, again, we're still feeling yeah, fine. Only, about. Yeah, and it's not good. 23 routes on 44 dropbacks. Like, no. so he's he's not even, that's, you know, he, he's not at the 60% route participation even. Melvin Gordon did score the only touchdown. I also see he fumbled twice. So apparently the, the, the <laughs> leash really is good longer. Game we missed. <laughs> the, the, the leash is longer than we thought for Melvin. Why the hell not? All right. That's going to wrap up uh, this edition <laughs> of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, everyone. Dwayne, you're doing fantastic work each and every day over with MB Fantasy Life. You and my guy, Marcus, always doing great work on the podcast. Even got, you know, that new up-and-comer, Matthew Berry, joining you guys sometimes. So let the people know. Yeah, we let him jump on it. every once in a while. With us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you guys can find it over at fantasylife.com. Um, I 
put out utilization work over there, but my tiers and rankings come out on Wednesdays. Um, you know, and then I'm doing the newsletter. I write the newsletter for Wednesday morning and I also write the newsletter for Saturday. So you guys make sure you check that out. You get it for free comes in your inbox. It's five minute read, get all the latest info. You'll get lots. I, I put lots of links to cool stuff that Ian tweets out. So maybe if you missed them, like they're still in there. So, uh, yeah, great day to be great. As always a great day to be great. I'll have my week three sheesh report up late Monday night. Shout out my lovely editor, John Owings, getting that ready for me to go each and every week. But yeah, also free, 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 free. And, you know, go through, watch all the damn games. I was like, I should probably try to do something to, you know, help just show you guys that. So when I make bad picks, I can just point to this and be like, but I watched the games. Oh my God. So <laughs> also just think it's a cool concept. I'm trying to keep everything in one spot with that positional breakdowns throughout the week and all that and much more. So we'll be back on the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast Tuesday, early afternoon. Myself and Nathan, you can go over all things waivers back Wednesday previewing all the teams and looking ahead to some week four matchups with Kevin Cole. Great day to be great as always. So for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks as always for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.